Sandra McCarthy. Enjoy this review of Lesson Zero on Cut to the Chase. Welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase. I'm Dan Chase, your host, and with me today, I have two very special guests. And they're special in a lot of ways, but in particular for this show, it's it's very important. It pertains to the show in so many different ways, and we're going to get into all of that. But first, uh, my first guest, you know him, you love him, from the Skeleton Crew on Listenable Assholes. <laughs> oh my God. Alex Edwards, ladies and gentlemen, the best, the, the the man who started it all for me. We started from the bottom, now we're here. He's on the show. I couldn't be happier to have him on this particular show. We've been trying to get him on for a while. He just doesn't seem to want to come back, but I ranked what? him. I got I'm on 90% of these shows. <laughs> but Alex, thank you for coming on, brother. How you doing? What's up, man? I look pale, but I look good and pale and good. I'm also on the Marrow Children podcast, but it's okay that you reference the show from four years ago. Listen, I'm also on that, I guess. <laughs> it's defunct, but okay. <laughs> and you're on the Marrow Children show, so it's weird that you wouldn't mention <laughs> So my next guest, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have the lovely, the talented, the beautiful Lacey Liu. So Lacey, thank you so much for coming on. Well, where else would I be? <laughs> I'm like your little tag along at this point. For anybody uh, that didn't read the title, we are covering 1987's Less Than Zero, directed by, oh shit, Merrick Canavesca. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't really done too much. I looked at his IMDb. Nothing worth, uh, worth noting. But this was also uh, adapted from a book written by Brett Easton Ellis. Now, if you were like me, you were like, how do I know that name? Because I've heard that name before. I just, I, I just wasn't. I know how you know it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this, this guy, man, uh, he had a couple adaptations get through. Um, and and the, the most notable being uh, American Psycho. Now, Lacey, I had said this to you, too. I was like, this is, when we were watching this movie, I was like, this is dark. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize <laughs> that it was from the guy who did American Psycho. So in comparison, it's actually, it's actually, you know, like a Disney movie compared to that. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not a Disney movie compared to American <laughs> Psycho. I feel like this movie is darker than American Psycho. <laughs> in a lot of ways, it is. In a lot of ways, it is because it's so real, too. You well, know? both of them are like, if you look at the aspect of like surrealism versus reality, um, you know, they both have their aspects of being um, in the point where somebody can lose their shit. And, you know, that's basically what the two movies are, is people losing their shit. So. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, one was completely in They're all about, like, subconscious kind of, in a sense. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it, it actually, I was taken back by the fact that I found out that the, the book was nothing like the movie. Um, yeah, I just, you know, odd coincidence, uh, I was going to say something else, so I sounded weird. <laughs> coincidence, I was going to say coincidentally enough. <laughs> Good thing we have the best editor in the business, ladies and gentlemen, that'll be taken right out. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll leave that in, I'll let people enjoy that one. 
Uh, yeah. Coincidentally, <laughs> I actually finished the book today. Oh, wow. When okay. did you start reading it? You're going to hate that part. Uh, <laughs> I started reading it a year ago, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, but the thing is, no, it's a, it's a real page turner, huh? No, listen, at my job, there's like these weird, you're such a jerk. Dude, there's, there's like spots of downtime at my job and it really hasn't happened. And I, that book was like my solace. Like that's where I went for comfort because I don't really like most of the people I work with. So uh, while they're all sitting at this big long table bullshitting all the time, I really don't bother with that. And I just go off and do my own thing. So this book was my escapism. And being so familiar with the movie, <clears throat> it was great because I was able to picture the you know these people right when when I was reading and I read it in their voices like literally and all of their acting methods too so that was great you know definitely for Rip and Clay definitely uh, and anybody actually everybody it, it worked out great for Blair and 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 um, Julian too so. I'm doing that. And then all of a sudden I just couldn't read it anymore. I just got to this like uh, bump in the road or something. And I just kind of forgot to go back to it, I guess. And then oddly enough, I knew a bunch of days were coming where we're going to have some downtime. So I, I said, I got to, I got to finish that book, man. I don't know why I'm not. Then I swear to God, dude, after I did that, you wrote to me and said, do you want to do this movie? And I was like, I didn't want to say nothing to you because I don't want to freak you out or anything. But I was like, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah. So I actually finished the book today. Oh, wow. Oddly enough. Yeah. And on the same day is the first time I'm ever reviewing it. Well, and wow, that's crazy, man. Well, it, that just goes with our whole running theme from the skeleton crew, you know, those things that just, that just add up over and over again. But yeah, actually it was... Um, I remember you had said it a couple times on the crew and you had mentioned this. So it was always in the back of my mind how much it meant to you. And then it it was recently brought to my attention uh, by Lacey. And that's, yeah, she likes it. I was so glad to hear she likes it. <laughs> you posted something, right? I forgot what you posted. It was, but, it was the yeah. meme of Clay and Blair. Mm -hmm. And he's looking at her and she's looking at him and he was like, you don't look happy. And she goes, but do I look good? Look good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Such a classic and, line too. Yeah. And like that scene is just like between them, like, I don't know, like their whole chemistry. We'll get into it later. Never mind. Yeah. No, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah. You're going to give me a negative self-image. Possible. This is great, isn't it? Three of us together. Seeing you again. <sighs> you happy or sad? I'm not sad. You don't look happy. But do I look good? <laughs> Always. Well, and like like you're saying too, the acting in this is is really good. I don't think there's any any weak links, really. I mean, it, you know, even the side the side characters. Um, yeah, like Bill. Bill's fine. Right. All of them. Who else? The uh, the dad. He's he's a famous actor. That guy. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. The dad of Julian. Um, oh, you know what? The bad acting, I would say probably like Clay's family. Okay. Yeah. No, I. You know, at the dinner table, the guy doing the, the horrible. Yeah. Cheers thing. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> the horrible cheers. Yes. No, you're right. With the awkward moment between the two ladies. <laughs> what yeah. was that? Oh, I don't play tennis anymore. My, I have tennis elbow. 
I <laughs> right. That, that, that's about the only bad acting I can really cite. I movie. honestly though, I think that adds to that whole awkwardness. Kind of adds to the movie, and uh, and kind of that it's just got this weird tone to it. Mm-hmm. I, I I was trying to put my finger on it of what that was, right? But it's just it seemed very real to me because you know so so often you have conversations with people that you know. <laughs> Not 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 that like people are lame as fuck, but a lot of people are just lame. No, people are lame as fuck. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, it's so fucking lame. It's so hard to connect with people, and especially when you try and connect to them, and it gets worse. And it's yeah, exactly. It's not reciprocated. It's it's very frustrating. Where it's like I find anyways, and I, I tell me if you guys feel the same way. Where it just kind of adds to the isolation in a lot of ways. Which is why we're doing a Skype call right now, uh, recording a podcast, because, you know, like you connect with the people that that are real and that actually have stuff to say, that actually have things to offer, as opposed to a lot of the people that you see in your life day to day. So people with a soul that could feel something when they watch something like that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So. All right. So this movie was in 1987. Now. It stars Andrew McCarthy, Jamie Gertz with a Z. I never knew that. With a Z. Oh, yeah. I spelled it for you yesterday, weirdo. Oh, but that's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, just cite real, real quick that the book was written in 1985, so they jumped right on that shit, and two years later, this movie was out. Yeah, and that was uh, that was his first novel. It sold for $5,000, and it was named after an Elvis Costello song by the same name. One here, it's weird. I, I got so into this movie that remember MySpace? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, yeah, we okay, yeah. <laughs> There's a story about MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> Back then it wasn't like a thing to name it after your own name. If you remember Oh right, right. Yep. Yeah. So I my name on MySpace was less than zero. Oh my god, really? Yeah, I swear to God. Really? That was a thing? You couldn't name it yourself? Or your own name? No, you didn't have to. It was just, you just write whatever you want, yeah. No, I think I put mine as probably Lacey Lou. That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's crazy, though. That goes way back. What year? Is MySpace still around? Yeah, remember Sarah was sending me those screenshots of us back in the day. That's wish. Oh wow, those were recent. Oh wow, that's. <laughs> that's well, no, no, those were not recent. Those were like from like eleven years ago. Right. But she was able to log into her MySpace. Right. And they were pictures from us from you know like old pictures that we didn't even remember. Oh my god! Remember how awkward social media was back then? How you communicated with people? Like it really has evolved from back then. Like it, re- like just yeah. Just now the- you just have really more awkward fucks. Really? Yeah. You got to look at people on Skype, like like you guys. Unfortunately, have fucking to. creepers. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, that's here a we are. Podcast, Lacey. We could. Do- hey, Lacey, how you doing? Oh my god! No, I sent Dan. I sent Dan, like, my outer oh. inbox today. <laughs> Dude, you would not believe this, Alex. Literally, she took a screenshot one time. Nothing but fucking creepers. Hey, hey, baby. What's up, gorgeous? Like, what? Well, I believe I that. I know, but... no, I believe it, but it was just, I mean, kind of pissed me off a little bit. Don't, I'm not. Oh, stop. You should be doing backflips. You have a girl that people write to, like, daily. I no, can... it's not cool. <laughs> it's rather obnoxious. Like I had, I had one guy that apparently deleted me that I didn't even know delete me, <laughs> and he was like, "Hey, 
I deleted Facebook and I just got it back. Is it okay to re-add you? No. No. Like, thank you. You did <laughs> me a weirdo. favor the first time by deleting me. <laughs> I didn't even notice your presence was gone. He's an Indian right? giver. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have never went through the next 30 years without you coming back. Thank God. Here's what I'll do. I'll refer to you to my MySpace page. But um... yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Add me to MySpace. <laughs> No, but um, so, yeah, so this movie, though, I I'm watching it, and I remember seeing it before because, Alex, you had told me about it. Now, for some reason, I thought that there were some comedy aspects in it, <laughs> and obviously I was way off. I mean... Well, let's see. Is there a joke here? Um, always leaving you. Yeah. Somebody has to. <laughs> Watch out for the sharks. They know me. That's about the only comedy you get <laughs> This movie. <laughs> Basically, right? Yeah. yeah that's about it, man. Oh, my God. So, um, but yeah, that, so I re on rewatch, man, I was like, holy shit, this is, uh, this is something else. Because especially with 80s movies, too, there were so many feel-good 80s movies, right? And don't get me wrong, they, they, they were, it's fair share of dramas as well. But uh, I thought this one really, really nailed it and kind of encapsulated that time period with the coke, with the blow. I mean, it what was going on in the 80s club scene? Absolutely, dude. Uh, real quick side note, like you said, um, all these 80s uh, good feel, feel good movies or whatever. I actually happened to, again, I swear to God, guys, Dan, just tell everybody when you just told me we should do this. Like Sunday, right, or so? Correct, yes. Okay. I just got done watching St. Elmo's Fire and... Uh, 16 Candles because I never watched it. What? And I said, well, yeah, isn't that amazing? And everybody is always like, oh my God, how can you love Plane Trains Automobiles? How can you like Breakfast Club? How can you like Less Than Zero? And you don't know any John Hughes. Like, you don't really know his stuff, like 16 Candles or whatever. So that stars Andrew McCarthy and um, St. Elmo's Fire has Andrew McCarthy. Right. Right. And a bunch of other famous, totally famous people. And 16 Candles has uh, Jerry Herring. <laughs> Molly Ringwald. <laughs> so besides that, I'm going to meet Andrew McCarthy in a few weeks. Really? Yeah, I'm going to meet Clay Easton, dude. Nice. My sister met him. And I guess he complimented her hat or something. Like My sister's like really kind of awkward person so like i guess like when she went up to him she asked him uh you know what was his uh <clears throat> favorite movie to film and he was like you know i really don't have a favorite but my least favorite was probably weekend at bernie's He's like that movie's so fucking stupid <laughs> <laughs> wait wait let me just write this down wear a hat <laughs> okay um yeah well yeah that was stupid <laughs> I actually really like Weekend at Bernie's. So I know. I'm just stupid. kidding. Well, I had a question for you, though. Uh, where are you meeting him? At, at what capacity? It wasn't a, uh, It wasn't one of those officer situations where you got you back to... Oh, where I take my clothes off? No. No, I wish, Sorry. actually. Lacey doesn't even know about that. <laughs> no. Um, no, this is just chiller theater. That's another horror convention, like Monster Mania and stuff like that. Well, then you shouldn't have any problem. You'll just get Kane Hodder to escort you to the front of the line, just the last time because <laughs> that's what kane hodder does right but no this movie though this this is a major part of my life like literal life how so i i don't know what it was and this was before i had 
uh, I guess, an abundance of substance problems, too. So it's not like I should have been relating to this on any major level at the time. I think at the time when I got into this, when it came to any kind of substance abuse, I think I was just drinking way more than probably I should. Okay. But back then, though, if you told somebody you're an alcoholic, they would just say, well, what do you do? And you describe it, they would just go, no, you're just 22. Mm -hmm. You know, so like nobody would ever think anything about me at the time. Now that I'm 38 and not much has changed, I then they'd probably say, okay, well, let's reevaluate this whole statement. See, I, I don't know about that, though, because I've seen you go through phases where you've you've dropped the drinking altogether. And, uh, oh, yeah, for six months at a clip, almost every other uh 18 months, yeah. Well, and I feel like you just dial it back and you, you learn to reevaluate it and see it for what it is and, yeah, you know? But that's yeah. that, that's how I feel like this movie is, though, where, you know, in this particular situation, this dude comes back and, um, you know, he's he's back for Christmas, obviously. It's in Los Angeles. That's another thing, too. Uh, Lacey and I have this weird thing where we've been watching a lot of Christmas things randomly. Like for some reason, and it wasn't, it's not even on Well, maybe it's Christmas in July. Who knows? That's all. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this guy goes back. Um, he gets a he gets a phone call from Jamie Gertz telling him to come back. Um, obviously, they had a relationship beforehand that they uh, set up in, in the flashbacks. And uh, she ends up cheating on him with Robert Downey Jr. Now, that No, 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 wait. Is that true, though? I don't know, because... When she says, I can't go, and she's not going to go to college, are we up? to assume, yeah, I don't know if they're cheating. I just think well, that. Well, no, I think she really wanted to pursue her career in modeling at that point, and she right. was scared to put herself into a situation that she was uncomfortable or unknown with. Huh? Um, yes. You know, it's totally relatable, and, you know, being familiar, she was in familiar surroundings, and, right. you know, her character, I feel. Um, we'll obviously get more into it later, but I feel like her character is the most fully developed by the end of the film. Um, right. Like, she had the best character development. Um, well, you, know, you, you see, I don't know, like, in a sense, like, I don't know, maybe it's because I just really like her character and she's completely relatable in some aspects to me. Um, but yeah, like, I feel like her character is the, the backbone of this movie. I would totally agree. Totally. Well, she, she seems like the voice of reason in the beginning, you know, when she's like, you know, obviously Julian screwed up and Clay is coming back. She needs him to connect with Julian to get something going here. And so she seems like that, the moral compass or something. But then we find out she's also, you know. She has her own inner demons, yeah. She's getting fucked up, too. So, but, well, um, when we were watching this, though, Lacey, you brought up a really good point where, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Andrew McCarthy. Clay, oh, his well, character. Yeah, yeah, the movie. The movie's about addiction, obviously. But not just to drugs. No, and obviously he's addicted to her. Correct. That was big for me though, because it kind of. I mean, I believe me, I, I I got that vibe. But when when you had said that to me, I'm like, oh wow, this adds a whole other dynamic to it because, mm-hmm. like you said, in terms of character development, you know, Clay, he does end up trying to help his friend and especially towards the end but like it seems but he's like so blinded by her totally that and that's motivation but towards the end the but the best example of his addiction to her is when he basically says he's leaving after they were hanging out in her dressing room and he goes yeah leaves 
he goes, he's swimming in that gigantic pool in his backyard. And then you see that close up of him coming right to the camera and he like spits the water. And then all of a sudden he's back at the party that he said he wouldn't go to. Right. Right. Right there. You say, oh, okay. This guy is totally, totally addicted. He left for college. God only knows if they broke up or not or said, fine, well, then I guess you do what you want to do. And it's, you know, whatever. It was, there's some kind of thing where, like, there was some obvious not. Uh, in the book, I hate to do this, too, but in the book, they didn't talk the whole time, just so you know. Like, when he left in September or whatever it was, he didn't talk to her until December, you know, when he went there. To me, that's ground. That's pretty much breaking up or whatever you want to call <laughs> breaking it. Breaking so, up. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. When Julian slept with her, they were two people who needed something. They need. She clearly needs tons. There's there's a ton of things lacking in her life. Mm-hmm. Clearly, her father is the main one. Yeah, and then Clay leaving, and then Julian being there. She's already familiar. She's already nice and cozy with that whole thing. Fine, he's not a bad looking guy. No problem. You know, it's like whatever. Just when the phone's coming out of his mouth, like we'll deal with it. Yeah, except for that. Right? Yeah, even though she's done with that three times with him already, wherever she's at. But them doing that, and then him coming back and throwing the the roses or whatever in his face. Thanksgiving, Julian. Needed time, Blair? How much time it take you to fuck my best friend, huh? And he actually caught Robert Downey Jr. in the eye with that. If you notice, when he's getting up and he's looking at Clay, he can't even open his eye. Really? Oh, wow. When he threw that that thing of flowers in his face, he must like there must have been like a point part, and it popped him right in his eye. So he actually couldn't even open his eye. But just think of this, though. Clay comes back, and he's almost picking up exactly where, as if that never happened. Mm-hmm. That's how addicted he is. Yeah, it's like you just brush it under the rug. Well, he's, like, more mad at Julian. And, you know, I, I mean, obviously, who wouldn't be? But, um, yeah, he just totally brushed it under the rug in regards to her. Right. And, you know... She's calling him back to help their, you know, lifelong friend. Right. And he's just totally encompassed in the fact that, you know, he's so enamored with the way he feels about her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's not even realizing how sick his friend is. I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I also feel like, too, everybody has obviously their own motivations and they're they're very direct in that. But I think one of the main themes is like, is just that friendship aspect that they all have, you know, and with the interrelationships and stuff like that, like it's just basically a result of, of the perpetual drug use of that whole thing of, of going in the circle over and over again and stuff like that. And, and you don't think of it like, it's not like a love thing where I don't think she ever loved Robert Downey Jr. When she slept with him initially and stuff like that. No, no, she loves him as a friend. Absolutely. Like it was a comfort thing. But if you oh, co- totally comfort, and he even said when he was talking to Clay on the Rock, he even said it wasn't like the World Series of Love, or, or he said something like that. You know? And but if you look at it though, it's like it, that really is a powerful thing in terms of like uh, their friendship and how 
you know, yeah, they, they, they all kind of see it for exactly what it is and they understand why everybody kind of did that. They may have feelings about that. They might be a little hurt about that. But at the end of the day, like, he did come back, you know. And then, you know, obviously, like, th- that first look that they have, I mean, you want to talk about good acting. Uh, chemistry? Girl, girl. Hello, Clay. Bye, Blair. Hi, Clay. Hi. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You look pale. Well, Santa's gonna put a suntan in my stocking. So how's school? Great. You know, school. Well, you you look great. Thought I looked pale. Well, you look pale and great. Have you seen Julian? No. He misses you. You know, the three of us together, like in high school. Why'd you call? I wanted to. Good reason. Well, there's more. I'm here. I think Julian's in a lot of trouble. Julian? I didn't know who else to call. I can think of about 500 people downstairs. No, he's in trouble. Old trouble or new trouble? He disappears, nobody knows where, and then he comes back like nothing ever happened, and and he's wasted all the time. Julian's been doing that since he's 10. No, it's different. I mean, he gets really sick. It's not like you remember. Will you just talk to him and then... I didn't come home to talk to Julian. Please? I gotta go. No, um... Do you ever think about me? Do you? Yeah. All the time. Dude, so oh, that's another thing. The soundtrack to this is fucking incredible. Phenomenal. Yeah. Incredible. But yeah, that look though, that look that they they have when they first see each other again, it's so great on so many levels. But like I said, it goes back to that whole friendship thing. And this kind of ties into what I said earlier in the beginning, where, you know, regardless of, of a lot of things and, and a lot of bullshit in people's lives, like sometimes like it, it's just that bare bones. It's that bare bones with some people where it's like they can look past flaws. They can look past a lot of bullshit and, and really just come to bat when, when they're really needed. Step up to the plate, so to speak. You know, when he looked at her, none of that entered his mind. And, but no. I Absolutely. Absolutely. He saw her like he did before he ever came back and saw any of that shit. It was like and looking that, at her for the first time in a long time, kind of, or right. like the first time ever kind of thing, I guess, maybe. Right. But um, yeah, it was like new all over again. But the whole thing about this cast is like they just flowed so well together oh, compared sure. to, you know, a lot of other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it all just worked like the awkwardness between, you know, James Spader's character and, you know, as Rip and. Um, you know, Jimmy Gertz, Robert Downey, and Andrew McCarthy, they all had, like, this impeccable chemistry from, like, that scene where, you know, they take the graduation photo. Oh, I Like, you could, like, it really felt like they were authentic and they were real, like, friends in real life, you know? It's, it really felt that way. And I remember, like, when it showed, like, the snapshot of that photo, 
And I was like, aw. Well, no, I was just going to say it, it harkens back to that scene where uh, you hear Robert Downey Jr. talking about a lot of a lot of dreams that he had. What was it? He wanted to start a record company. Well, first it, it was going to be Tone Deaf Records. It's yeah. always something. Like, and I, I know you you guys have probably met people like this in your life. I know I have. Right. There's always people like, yeah, I'm going to start my rap career. Like, I'm going to do all these things or whatever. And it's like, yeah, whatever. But, like, the thing that struck me is, um, okay, like, whether you achieve that or not, okay, that's 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 honestly irrelevant. It's the fact that when you see him come back at Christmas, he's still doing that. And And then clearly, like, his motivation wasn't even at this point to get those things going. That was basically just a front to get drug money and and keep keep within the life that he was going. Well, no, no, I, I disagree with that. I feel like he still wanted to own the Panic Club. I don't think that he was just trying to get out of debt. No, do you think that he, he would have really, really wanted... done it though? Do you think that he? Well, no, like if you watch, if you listen to him, like the deal fell through, and <laughs> that's what the deal right. fell through, and that's when he went into his dark days. And this deep depression to where okay. he turned to, you know, drugs and, you know, right. this this crazy life. And then, you know, he just got in deeper debt right. with Rip, obviously, who he was in, you know, he became addicted to what he was doing. And this person just feeding him these drugs right. and, you know, because he wanted him to be indebted to him. I, I stand corrected then. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I know. I, I, I feel <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's so much depth like just looking at the intro scene when he's talking to his dad and he says that oh he said consider a graduation present obviously what he's saying is mm. my my um uh, oh investor yeah his his investment yeah into the into the tone deaf records that was a graduation present somehow we don't know what happened it fell through he worked day and night he borrowed more money from rip to keep it going and it fell apart. He got into drugs. So he probably, he probably, because you got to remember, this isn't a lot of time here. It's only September to December. Yeah, so. no, it's because it said from graduation to, you know, Christmas six months later. And so, I mean, that's right. like, and look how healthy he looked in June or May or whenever right. it was. And you know, that's a short period of time, but it really, things like that really do happen that quickly. Well, you know, you don't, I mean, it seems short in hindsight, but when you have that big of a problem, like it's just this domino effect and it just, you know, it just ripples and things just fall apart so quickly. You could look like shit in three weeks, believe me. I'll say this too, guys. Um, one of the, so if this movie was kind of filmed as it was, as it was shot, Oh, in sequential order. You yeah. know what I'm about to say. Then, then I don't think Robert Downey Jr. had to put, had to do too much uh, too much acting. Yeah, or that's what people say. Yeah. Well, no, because I I was looking this up and there was a quote, and this is a fucking quote from Robert Downey Jr. Until that movie, I took my drugs after work and on the weekends. So it was literally that movie that it got really bad for him. And I'll say this: that that scene where he's smoking the crack at the party. I've yep. never with that, with that song, uh, the Jimi Hendrix song. Yeah. Absolutely, I've never seen a more accurate portrayal, and it was like fucked up to watch. I was like, when he was doing that, did you notice that look he gave, where he was kind of looking down and to the to the left to see who's who, like to see if he's he's hiding or if anyone's noticing this? Yep. When I was in my like, without getting too into this, at, like I used to do stuff at work. Uh -huh. Oh wow. 
And when I did, well, I had an office job for like two years. So it was the only time I really didn't have I remember any. this. I, I was texting you while this was happening. <laughs> remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I would actually give that look. I don't know if it was just because of this movie or what, but I'd give that look and look around the room to make sure <laughs> no one is seeing this. I think that's part of it, too, though. Yeah, dude, it's fucked up. But, okay, wait. Let me just get something real quick. I just wanted to touch on this before we go too far from it. Okay. So Jamie Gertz and her whole interaction with Clay when he first sees her, that acting of hers kind of encapsulates her acting at all. And the other acting that encapsulates it truly is when she's in the dressing room after she does the commercial with the soap on her neck. Right. Remember how she how Clay's like, well... You know, things didn't turn out like I thought they would, so I'm leaving. And she goes, oh, okay. And then he goes, oh, Coy. She goes, will you? Okay. And she's like, I miss you. Laughter, he's already, like, leaving. Spoke with Julian. Yeah? He doesn't want my help. Oh. Julian is a mess. He's out of control. You saw him. You're not? I can quit any time. It's all the control I need. I'm impressed. <laughs> Do you want to go out tonight? We could go to some clubs. It'll be fun. No. I'm taking off right after Christmas. Why? Oh, well, things didn't work out the way I thought. I thought you were staying longer. I was hoping... I was hoping that we could spend some time together. <laughs> well, maybe next time. Yeah, next time. I'll call you before I go. Will you? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Bye. I miss you. I mean, you guys do realize that's insanely awkward acting, right? Right. Okay, but... Given the circumstances... Right. Yeah, I'm not bashing it. I'm not bashing it. The guy who wrote the book was really unhappy with her acting in this movie. See, I wasn't at all. Right. I never was. Now, it turns out that he came around eventually. I heard that as well, yes. Yep. Yeah. And he realizes that what she was doing was pretty perfect. No, it really is. Yes. It is. Like that whole, will you? Okay. Like... And that whole blankness and that whole disconnect is exactly what she's doing. Right. There's no mistakes here. And I think, no. too, Alex, I, and you're absolutely right, but th those are those things that just come out when you're filming, like a natural thing, right? But, right. but for somebody like him to appreciate that, because he's coming from a completely opposite standpoint where he, he wants wrote to... It. Yeah, exactly. His, his book was fucked with, right. So, right, and I read a... So this is a quote, too, where uh, Andrew McCarthy said, I don't think there's a line in the book from the movie. It's that different. Oh, uh, you know what? Well, I just read it, and I could tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the you look pale line might be in okay. there. Okay, all right. And Julian gives good head, and his dead is definitely in there. But you know what? I gotta say, as I was done reading this book, I said, damn, you know? But whatever they did, it was great. Right. Like, I, they used, like, in the book, Clay hangs out with this guy named Trent, 
more than he hangs out with Julian. Like, he almost has no interaction with Julian. He has, like, three scenes or something, you know, book-wise, you know? Right. Um, and with uh, Blair, he has, like, three scenes or something. Oh, wow. But, you know, they're, they're, they happen enough where I wasn't like, well, what am I reading here? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that. And, and and this love and obsession with Blair does not exist in this book. There is nothing like that at all. And there's actually a point, I don't want to bum you guys out, but I just read it today, so I guess I got to tell you. But <laughs> there, there's a point of the book where Blair and him are sitting down, and this is like the last few things of the book, where he says, she says, did you ever love me? Mm-hmm. And he goes, he goes, no. Mm-hmm. And she goes, she says she could tell he never made an effort. He never did this, never did that. So it's like, and then, I, and then I'm like, what? So I'm reading this book dumbfounded. Like, what do you mean? I thought these guys were like, it's different. Dude. Yeah. And that, that's the, that's the trouble with, especially in the, in the approach that you took, which is I'm the same way, by the way, when you, uh, when you read books after seeing the movie, obviously you take those characters and put them right like, oh yeah, yeah, it's great, man. It's I love it. I love it. But when when it's such a departure, it's kind of like you get confused, and if it's nothing like it, then you're really fucking confused. And so I I think this is an obvious. Um, I, I know the the answer, but I'll ask it anyways. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer the book or do you prefer the movie? I, dude, I, this I'll probably be the only guy on earth to say this, but I'm going to go with the movie. No, no, I don't. I don't think. No, I don't think that you are. I like, I like the closeness. I like the relationship mm-hmm. of the three of them more than I like in-depth dissection of that world and things like that. And as the book goes on, the whole the whole thing with Julian and the hotel rooms and stuff, oh, it's much more yeah, it's much more detailed in the book, but not not in any real graphic way. It's not. It didn't blow me away like I thought it would. It's a little more in depth, so you you walk through it more. I know that, like that is a thing though with a lot of addicts. Like that shit really happens, and and that's fucking crazy to me. And that's such like a a dark fucking extreme to go to. But like at the same time, you know, like you just said, when you're in that world, like that's what I liked most about this movie. Where okay, it's about drugs, but the movies that I really love that I can relate to, dude, is like. Are the ones with relationships and and how they react to those situations, you know? Because it seems like real. Like not one person is one dimensional. You get all these aspects of your personality, and a lot of them are pretty shitty, you know. I mean, look at look at what was it, 2013, 2014, Alex, when you were putting up with all my bullshit with with missing show. Well, no, I mean you just laughed, 14, like, 13. I don't remember anything, but 14 was 14 was a when it all kind of started, right? Right, and and that's why. Like I said, I'll bring it back to the beginning where I said that's why I wanted you guys on for many reasons. But but basically, you um you represent like the people that stuck stuck around and that really you know put up with the bullshit and and see past it and see the good in people because that's that's it's portrayed in movies, right? But it's that's a hard thing to do. Not everybody does that. A lot of people are just shit people. And and that shittiness comes out in their personality. You know, it's so easy to talk shit. It's so easy to take take the easy way and and rag on someone or just write them off or whatever. But like, that's why this movie's so great. Where 
through all this craziness through about drug addiction and all this stuff, it, it harkens back to the relationships and how they are all dealing with that. And it may not be an easy road. I don't think it ever is. Like, how, why would that be easy? Like, that's one of the hardest things to do is to see your friends going through some bullshit. You know, there's a lot of betrayal involved. There's all these aspects where it's like, oh, fuck. But then despite that, you still you still push forward. And unfortunately, I mean, you know, this came out in 87. <laughs> Sorry, guys, there's going to be some spoilers. Like, it didn't... <laughs> it, it was 31 years ago. <laughs> exactly. Um, hey, no, 30. Yeah, Lacey was not even born when this movie uh, came out. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. I wish I wasn't born yet. Hey, I was like two weeks ahead of it. Or it was two weeks yeah, ahead yeah. of me. Two weeks. Dude, I was born in 79, man. Oh, wow. You're so old. No, it's so funny that you mentioned, like, spoilers, though, because, you know, I do a movie of the day for com. Nice plug yes. in Lacey Lou. Um, oh, God. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did I did the baby the other day and like obviously that movie came out in like the nineteen seventies. Right. And I posted it in this random group because that's what I do. And somebody was like they like posted like about the ending of the movie and this one person just completely flipped the fuck out. <laughs> the fucking spoiler from the seventies. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and then like the uh, admin or like the owner of the group, the admin came in and they were like um, yeah, if you're going to post spoilers, regardless of whether this movie came out a long mm. time ago or not, a lot of people still would like to be surprised when the ending comes. Wow. And I'm just like, you know what? I've had Sons of Anarchy ruined for me, and that only came oh, out three years ago. You or have? I haven't watched uh, What a shame. Oh, man. Well, I don't know, like, the whole ending, but I know Peggy Bundy's ending. So. Oh, man, that's... Like, somebody posted, like, a picture of, like, what happened to her. Oh, dude. That's such an emotional... Sorry, spoiler alert to Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope you didn't spoil it for new people. No, listen. The only time... <laughs> listen. I, I'm going to say this. I, I agree on a certain level. For example, if nobody had cool enough friends to tell them that Sleepaway Camp exists... Right. And just imagine that somebody built it up really nicely on Facebook and somebody took an interest in it, and then some asswipe says, yeah, well, guess what? You know what I'm going to say, so I'm not going to say it in case this is going to happen again. Wouldn't you sort of also, like, that's like the greatest epic ending ever of, like, the most B-movie on right. Earth. So it's like, so I could see that. I, I'm not totally against the idea of, like, hey, listen, man, not everybody saw this, so how about you? Yeah, and I'll admit, like, when I read their spoiler to the baby or whatever i was like okay you didn't have to like go in depth with the right. movie like i mean you can yeah, be but, like oh my god the ending was crazy like if you want to like right, that's it yeah there's also like, personal responsibility though it's like okay if you have interest in a movie first of all they wouldn't have even known about that movie if you didn't post it in the first place but then if you go into the comments section it's very you know what you're getting into like i was just we were just talking about this the other day with the halloween thing right where um, I thought, oh, please, Dan, you know I didn't see a trailer. Right? I know, no, that's that's my okay. point. Yeah, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but th there are things in the movie where I did not want to know. Th little tidbits that came out from from Comic Con where I know that if I did not know about those things, it would definitely heighten my viewing experience when I did see it. And then these assholes, like, they didn't get into like who, particulars, what, or whatever, but just general enough to where you know what the fuck's going down. 
and it just pisses me off that 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 shit's been happening for a long time and you just got to be careful and and that's the main thing is is you just got to watch watch you know watch where you're going really you well, got to be respectful uh, I totally agree with that as well yeah I really do well, but, and I mean, uh, I post movie of the day so that I'm posting movies that I think, you know, people might like or, you know, so obviously, like, I don't want spoilers on my post. But at the same time, like, yeah, the movie is from, like, the 1970s. What do you fucking expect? And I, I love that, by the way, Lacey, because it really does um, it really does get the conversation going a lot. And it keeps a lot of pages active. You know what I mean? Like, especially like somebody like me, like I'm horrible at posting sometimes. So I love it when you when you keep it fresh in the uh, in the pages. You do such a good job. I love it. I but, keep you um, fresh, Dan Chase. You All did. right, back to less than zero. Yes. Okay. No, so basically, um, you know, the whole thing. Okay, I'm leaving. You're not talking about the movie. No, no, listen, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This just... is absolutely ridiculous. Wait, can we just can we get into that real quick before no. we get to, like, uh, the meat of the movie? Can we just do overalls real fast? Because I really wanted to see what you guys thought about the lighting and the score ah, and the tone. Oh, dude, cinematography in this movie was the fuck. Shit, dude. Holy fuck. Yeah, we were talking about that last night. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely. Like, it, it just captures, like, the essence of that time era so perfectly. Well, better, like, and I, I think it's better than, I think it captures it better than any other 80s movie, to be quite honest. Like, yeah, I would yeah. It's more realistic. And, Lacey, you're really good with 80s movies, too, so you you would definitely know over a lot of people. But I also think, too, it goes with the, um... It goes hand in hand with the acting cinematography because especially where they have those close up shots of people and stuff like that, like you gotta really be there in the moment to kind of capture capture that those feelings that those actors are given because you know, I don't know, like I don't know exactly how acting goes down. I'm t- I'm gonna take a wild guess and say that those people couldn't just reproduce those performances over and over because they were so real. So I'm, I'm assuming it had to be in the moment. So it takes a really good person behind the camera to really to really get that and to really uh, take that away and, and put it in the movie. And, I mean, hat goes off to the editor as well because that goes hand in hand with it. Every close-up is swamped in lighting, but not in a bad no. way. Yeah, the lighting is beautiful. It is it always adds. It's like ridiculously beautiful. Like, it's, why it's, are why are there not more movies with this type of cinematography? You know, right. because it really does have that. And even even the whole artsy thing about like the TVs everywhere, right. right, and shit like that. You know, like nothing does that. No, no other movie. This movie, I cannot believe it's buried under shit that nobody even thinks or cares about. Well, and then there's that one scene with like where it's all like you, it's red. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Remember, and, yep. and Dan, you brought that up last night. You're oh, like, oh, when they were in the hallway walking out to the fire escape. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. And and one of the things too. Oh, by the way, we we said the score as well. If we're talking just general aspects, that dude, that one cue that keeps repeating. Oh my god, perfect. Here's my favorite, and, and I know that you guys both know this because we've talked about it, you know, in nauseum to some points, but like. I'm a big fan of just scenes, the way they play out. And it has to do with all those things. It's got to do with acting. It's got to do with the cinematography. And it's got to do with the music. But it all has to come together and give you a vibe, right? And that's why, like, I mean, Lacey, we talk about that scene in in The Spectacular now. Like, it's just, it's so perfectly done. It's a one-shot. It's it's extremely real dialogue. Um, 
you can tell that they're sort of uncomfortable in it, so it right. has that real realism. The, uh, the 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 score in it is ridiculously good, and it relates to the scene perfectly. But the, it, it's really tough to find that balance between all of them and 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 make you feel something, make you feel like yeah, it feels it, authentic. It feels very authentic, always. And, and I also feel like too that it's it's you don't see it enough, and it's kind of like depressing, and it's kind of sad, but. Especially in this movie, where it there's an overall tone throughout this whole movie, and it's 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 very sad, it's very depressing. Um, everybody, it seems like a very lively movie, but it's like it mentally, it's very slow, and, and it's kind of draining. It yeah. is very. I was. Thank you. That's perfect. Very. I'm sorry, good. I don't mean to interrupt. I didn't no, know. no, no. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. <laughs> Yeah. No, it is it is emotionally draining. Like, um, you asked me yesterday as I was watching it, like, is this a trigger movie or, you know, mm -hmm. um, it definitely triggers emotions. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely did. Like, at the, like, you kept saying things and all I was saying, like, I was so engrossed in watching the movie. All I was saying, and normally when, you know, we watch our movies back and forth or whatever, I'm, I'm typing, like, novels about what's going on in the movie. Mm -hmm. And this one, I think I responded, yeah, to your comments like very different type of movie right yeah it, it right. was just like I, I wasn't you know giving anything I was just saying yeah yeah <laughs> like as opposed to you know um yeah. diving full force into you know my actual thoughts because I was so engrossed in what was going on and transpiring across my screen that it, it took you know it and it takes you back to certain eras of your own life and right. it's, it's a very reflective movie yep. um, about things that have happened to you uh, maybe not specifically you um but people around you and things mm -hmm. that you just the tone of. the overall aura of it. yeah okay. and you know it's just a really movie that just engrosses you and you just want to take it in and i i don't see how you know people haven't seen this movie because it is so relevant it, i mean and i told dan last night i was like this movie still holds up oh like, without, without a doubt, a doubt. you know well, like, there's a lot of 80s movies that's just like okay yeah this is this isn't gonna you know play over the years but this right. one I, I felt totally enamored with. And, and and it's funny that you bring that up because I sent this to you both earlier where I found this thing where uh, Hulu is developing a series based on this uh, by one of the writers of Lost, too, which is which is really intriguing. Awesome. Uh, Dude, do you know what I was telling you when you told me that? What's that? One of your the most amazing, another coincidence about this? Yep. So when you told me that, as I heard the playing on my phone but i couldn't get to it because i was actually i had my hand we were doing cable stuff but i was saying this as i heard this though somebody said to me because i just got done reading the book and then we went back to work i said i just read i just finished a book i was like kind of like reading and then i couldn't do it anymore and i got back into it <laughs> yeah so so they go, uh, you know, I told them about the movie and stuff. So they go, what's better, the book or the movie? Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't have made this book a movie. It wouldn't work. I said, the best thing for this book would be like a TV show. Right. Yeah. I swear to God, I wrote that while you said that. So even, even though the movie doesn't have the kind, I mean, the book doesn't have this, the type of narrative. That you could that would follow as a movie does. It's not like that. It's not that type of narrative. Mm -hmm. The best you could do is just take the journey with Clay through a TV show, 
And then you'll bump into Julian, you'll bump into Blair, you'll bump into Rip as it happens, but there's no way to condense it. It just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So it's just, the book is good for what it is, and the movie is good for what it is. I don't. So you actually haven't read the sequel then? Oh, yeah, we gotta talk about that. Wait, what, what's the sequel? What, the, did the same guy write it? The book? Yeah, Lacey, tell yeah. him. Imperial Bedrooms. Um, did you not know anything about it, Alex? Not, no, nothing about it. Yeah, there. It, it we actually... got another book to read for another year. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one might take him five. <laughs> no, uh, this one is called Imperial Bedrooms, and if I'm not mistaken, it didn't come out until like 2009. Oh wow! Um, really? Yeah, and the thing is, in this book, uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, whatever. Um, so Imperial Bedrooms, uh, the uh, Julian's character is actually alive. Um, nice. Yeah. And, well, oh, and by the way, he doesn't die in the book. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. So, right. Um, so in Imperial Bedrooms, like it, it is still um, continue on with Clay's journey. Um, I really, I, yeah. Like I don't want to give it away though. Um, hmm. If you're going to read it, Wait, how do you know about it though? Have you read it? Yeah. You just, like, heard about it. Is it a good follow up? I obviously watched the movie way before I ever read the book. And, um, you know, you, in my head in the movie, um, you know, that's where things were kind of left off. So when I read Lesson Zero, the book, um, it didn't play out the way that I thought it was going to, obviously. Hmm. So, um, reading the book or or the Imperial Bedrooms, it was kind of like these characters, they weren't exactly where I thought they would be, I guess, because um, obviously I thought Julian would be dead for one. But, um, you know, because that's, that's just where it's, you know, left within the movie. Leading, right? Yeah. Right. And right. I mean, things happen in the book that uh, kind of reflect more of the movie. Imperial Bedrooms kind of reflects more of what happened in the movie as opposed to the first novel. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess read it and you tell me. Yeah. I think I know. I don't want to give. I don't want to give it. I mean, obviously, I ruined it for Dan. No, no, but (laughs) no. I mean, that's real too, though. I mean, twenty-five years later. (laughs) I mean, unfortunately, you know, I know, I know personally, I've lost a ton of friends. You know, I'm sure you guys have to uh, to drugs or whatever. If not drugs directly, like drinking and driving stuff like that. Like, there's so many instances where it comes into play, and it's it's such a force in so many people's lives that, like, I think that movies like this or or a movie like uh, like Train Spotting, Train Spotting Two. I talk about those two movies all the time, and I'm actually uh, not the biggest Train Spotting fan because it kind of, in a lot of ways, glorifies drug use. Where as a, yeah, as the second one kind of same thing, it deals with it uh, twenty years later, and basically all the consequences of that, you know. And it's I think the second one's a beautiful film. Check those movies out, uh, Danny Boyle. If you guys have seen uh, Twenty Eight Days Later, all the Twenty Eight movies. Um, well, dude, wait, there, real quick, there's a, a a few movies people should check out. They like this kind of thing. Okay, like Rush, Requiem for a Dream, Permanent Midnight. And if you like, if you're really into um, the character of um, Rip, there's a movie called Jack's Back, uh-huh. and that stars James Spader. And supposedly he's like kind of a, like a dirtbag in that movie. He's too. like a dirtbag in everything. I know, even sixteen. 
<laughs> like that's a weird thing. It's like he's James Spader was in Sixteen Candles. Or are you thinking Pretty in Pink? Oh, Pretty in Pink. Oh wait, did I say Sixteen Candles earlier? Because I met Pretty in Pink. Oh again. my god, no! Because <laughs> that's where James. That, that's where the other guy is. Top ten of all time. Oh wow, Andrew McCarthy. That's where he is, right? Yes. I, I don't know why I didn't correct you on that earlier. <laughs> I know. I never saw. I never saw the other one. Oh, and by the way, um, uh, Age of Ultron reunion, obviously with this movie with James Spader and Robert Downey Jr. There's it's a that. Mini reunion. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> no, because he created them in the movie, so it was such a it was such a crazy dynamic that they had in in Age of Ultron. So I thought this was kind of cool to see see them interact and see where that all started. But, um, but yeah, so any, anything else, Alex, because there's a lot of movies like this, but I, I think that very few movies. Would Spun act- be considered one? What is it? Spun with Brittany Murphy. Oh, Spun. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. But like you. Well, bad influence is one that people should watch. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, and I think that this movie though, overall, you know, it's weird because you look at all the drug use and, you know, everybody's always at a party. And like we said, it, it doesn't reflect the, the tone of the movie. Uh, it's not like a upbeat movie, even though everybody's kind of, you know, always partying, always. But you know, it's weird. You guys keep saying that kind of thing, but how weird is it that I want to be there? Right. Mm. Why? Why do I want to... <laughs> well, you know, I think me and Dan kind of touched on this a little bit, like, last night, because I was, like, we were talking about, you know, parties that we went to when we mm. were in school and stuff, yep. and I was like, and yeah. it was the pink party, let's fuck Christmas together. Right. Um, you know, yep. um, the, the best time I ever, like, one of the best times that I've ever had in my entire life was, like, every New Year's throughout right. high school, we'd get this huge fucking limo, go from house party to house party, just gonna get completely yep. fucked up. Yep. And, you know, that that party just, like, completely takes you back to a place. Right. Uh, you know, where it was, like, one of the funnest times of your entire life of just being young, carefree, young and dumb. That's when partying was fun. Like, that's right. when it was fun. And then it, and then it gets to a point where everybody... See, well, you not grow everybody. up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you don't want to hang out with these fucks anymore. Like, you can't, right. Well, it's like with Julian, you're, you guys are kind of combining Julian and Rip's thing. Remember when Rip was like, these people are assholes, right. you know? And he's like, good customers, though. He goes, bread and butter. You ever think about going back? Where? School, I did. I just, like, dropped by. I took a nostalgic walk around. And? It was weird, all little kids that used to follow us around and growing up, and it just wasn't like it was when we were there. You know? Think they miss us? No. No. <laughs> Come on, Clay Easton, Julian Wells, legends, baby. Come on, we could do anything. What are you gonna do? Take a nap. What are you gonna do after that? I don't know. I got business. I got a major agenda. You dealing? Well, my most lofty ambition is to deal. You look bad. What's going on? I'm serious. I'm seriously getting frustrated with all these questions. Listen, man, someday we're gonna look back on this. It's all gonna seem groovy. And and that's when and that was sad because you know Blair wanted Clay to come back to talk to Julian to save him from ruin. And then as and when he meets him on the park bench, God only knows I knew he was there. 
he basically doesn't want to have anything to do with this conversation. He's like, dude, I'm seriously getting frustrated with all these questions. Yeah. And then he's he's like, you don't look good, you know, blah, blah. He goes, come on, man. Someday we're going to look back on this. And it's all going to seem groovy, man. Right. Like, like he, the whole point, even Blair got frustrated. It's like, she's like, Clay, I, told, I asked you to talk to Julian, you know, and she was like mad when they were trying to have a nice moment in that club. Yep. And it all kind of fell apart. So Clay, at this point, that's when he's like, you know, this didn't turn out like I thought it would. This is not why I came back. Then he was leaving. And then, he, like you said, his addiction to, to Blair brought him back. Look, look at that scene, though, right? And think about this for a minute. Now, you have that scene and then you have it, you know, kind of play out the way it does and how he sees that. And then that line that you just said, right? Like, I'm not feeling this. This is not, you know, what it should be. Now, Think about the last uh, cut to the chase that we did with the day to confuse scene where it got where it got serious when they're in the football field. Right. I think that was is the complete opposite of what this is. That's when it was fun. Yeah, they're talking about, you know, OK, I want to get out of this town, like talking about their dreams and aspirations. But then somebody makes a joke and he's just like, I want to fuck as many chicks as I can while I'm stuck in this town. You know, right? And everybody just dismisses it. Right? And it but, but it has that tone where like Days of Confused does have kind of a somber tone to it in a sense. But at the same time, it brings you back to the fun, the fun of partying. You know, it's 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 one night. Uh, during high school, and that's like the really good side, where I feel like maybe this movie is kind of the juxtaposition, or this is the, the other side of it, where it's... Yeah, that's where the party doesn't end, and you stay at the party too long, and you die. Absolutely, and listen, I mean, so many people get to that point, because why wouldn't you want to continue the party? Like, Lacey, when I said that to you, you know, and you were like, talking talking to me about the New Year's party, we started going back and forth, like, how fun that, how much fun that we had back then, but... <laughs> it was just a different, different time in everybody's lives. And I feel like, like you guys said, everybody kind of grows out of that. And like you said, Lacey, you got to grow up sometimes. And this is kind of this, this movie and the feeling that it gave really did uh, reflect that played out feeling, you know? Right. And well, I mean, it happened a lot faster in this movie than it did did in real life for me, you know, um, You know, like, obviously, like, you know, uh, I I just really wanted to party when I was young. I mean, like, I didn't get into, like, all the drugs and all that. But, um, yeah, um, I, I just always wanted to, you know, hang out, be the last one standing, like, whatever. And, okay. yeah, and, I mean, that's what it was all about, at, you know, for a really long time portion of my life. Because that was kind of, you know, how I felt connected to people. And I just, I guess, you know, you just kind of hold... Like, cause it, like we were talking earlier, it's really hard to connect with people. And that's yep. how, um, I connected with people because I am kind of an awkward person. Like I don't have a lot of real friends in my normal life. You know, um, I've always been kind of like closed off. I had like one or two good friends, but when I was at a party, I was like the life of the party and everybody wanted to be around me. So like you get addicted to that feeling. But I, I also feel like too, AC though, that like, you know, like talking with us, like I would never guess that. I would never guess that. So what that tells me is it was them, not you, clearly. You well, know, I like, mean, it, and it's still like that, but, like, right. I've come to terms with, like, knowing who I am and being comfortable in my own skin and right. knowing that I'm not the weirdo they are. So, exactly. right. you know, right. like, 
I realized because no, like, because I am an open person. I'm, I'm. At, if you want to come talk to me about anything, please feel free to do so. Um, I'm very open and honest. Um, I don't feel like I need to hold anything back. And I think it's everybody else that was hiding, and here I was just being myself, and everybody else was too afraid to do that. Well, you know what it is. They they're putting up a front. It's not that they're afraid. They're playing the game because. Unfortunately, there's more to benefit in this in this world by being a fake and a phony and everything else than there ever is to being yourself. Nobody wants realism. Nobody wants that. They don't want you to expose theirs. They don't want to hear too much of yours. Right. Nobody wants it. And that's why I think we're all, I think that's how we all connect. Anybody who listens to podcasts or anybody who does them, I feel like we're those people that were willing to just be ourselves, and we felt, what's wrong with that? And and we got praised for it, too, but, like, you have... Praised to... and also shunned for it. Well, yeah, go, they can go fuck themselves, you know? Where are they? They don't have a five-year running podcast. Go fuck them. No, but, like, no, but... That's... Yeah, but they would be like, oh, really? They, no, no, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I always... <laughs> Why didn't you guys cover the candy dance? Like, Just call them dead fucks and move on. Exactly, yeah, right? Ted? Ted? <laughs> but, if um, they don't know what a dead fuck is, they're dead to me anyway. Ex- that's fuck. how I feel, right. And, like, yeah. But no, those are exactly what you guys said. Those are people that you just don't really want to fuck with. But in order to to get to that point, you do have to put yourself out there. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that because they're they're afraid to. Now, we're at the point, like, I clearly don't give a fuck. Because you know what I've realized, too? That the people that actually listen to these podcasts or whatever, like, those are the people that know. That relate to you. And that care to get to know you. Because why else would they click on it and waste fucking. Who would even care to look it up, dude? Right. Well, the funny thing is, like, so we talked about high school. Like, so I started writing for Pop Horror in 2016, and my reunion, my high, my 10-year high school reunion, age of myself, whatevs, we already knew I was born in 87, so do the math, folks. So, um, oh, God, eight years after me? Yeah, we're so, so, um, so I graduated in 06, and my high school, re- my 10-year reunion was, like, in August of oh, wow. 2016. So yeah. I'd only been writing for, like, Pop Horror for, like, two months at the time of my high school reunion. So when I went, like, people just kind of were, like, drawn to me in a sense. And, like, I really wasn't used to that. Mm -hmm. And they're like, here, shot, 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 like, party roll easy. And I'm just like, "Uh, I I don't know what to do. All right, all right, all right. It's just like, I guess they're free. And so I ended up getting really drunk and I fell off the bar stool. But that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> During your teddy reunion? <laughs> yes. No, I fucked up my knee so bad that night. Oh. Um, like it had a big old scrape on it. Um, well. But the thing, the point of the, the moral of the story here is though, um, you know, people were seeking me out. As opposed to, you know, me just sitting in a corner by myself or whatever, like waiting to get drunk. People were like, here, let me bring the shots to you. Like, yeah. Because it turns out we're the more interesting people, and the people who faked it their whole life become vapid and less interesting, and they don't, they aren't passionate because they were so afraid to let themselves embrace what their instincts were calling for that they shut that off so they could be cool throughout everything. So they don't have, the, they have a disconnect. So when they see somebody who's so passionate and so interesting, like, wow. 
This is different. Right. Yeah, no shit, asshole. How about not trying to be cool your whole life and just trying to be yourself? Yeah, and stop trying to put up a front and be something you're not and actually just live and stop worrying about what everybody fucking thinks of you. I also think, too, like, all right, take the podcasting, for instance, right? Uh, in terms of, like, coming out of your shell and stuff like that. Um, how many times do we get shit for our opinions? on things like i get told to eat a bag of dicks all eat the time a bag of dicks. Like, you <laughs> well listen i said that because i thought it'd be interesting to watch right. <laughs> i actually like your review no but think about that though for a that second because it's i like, hated it like come on now i still can't believe that i still but that's a whole other podcast baby. that's the but, only movie we've ever disagreed on just to oh wait, wait whoa, 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 whoa. which it are you the new to? one the new one uh, I'm not that passionate, but I would argue it's good. Mm. So if you want to argue with me, let me know. Oh, for another night. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, but, like... well, no, I mean, this is cut to the chase. I mean, we can bear off. But, um, no, but, this, oh, by the way, everybody check out Castle Rock that just dropped on Hulu. That, that should be exciting. Why are you telling them to check it out when you haven't even watched it yourself? Because, <laughs> are you kidding me? Let me see. Lacey, I am so Dan, excited. Dan, Dan. This, this is what you're all like. About. You're like, hey, I'm about to start Castle Rock. I was like, what's Castle Rock? And he's like, you've been living under a rock, baby. No. Now, listen, Castle Rock is the place where the Stand By Me people live, right? There's so many of Stephen King's stories that take place in Castle Rock. Have you watched it, Alex? No, I just know that I heard Castle Rock from Stand By Me. Right. Are we supposed to watch that tonight? Yeah, we're going to watch that tonight. Hell yeah. Oh, Castle Rock or Stand By Me? But no, well, the, I, I think some Stand By Me characters are probably in it, but that's the thing. There's a lot of characters. We in don't it. know. We haven't watched there's, it. There's a lot of actors. There's co- All right, listen. We'll get away from this for a second. Westman Zero is Less the movie. Zero. Okay, okay. So this movie's based on a novel, right? Correct. <laughs> Well, for it being based on a novel, one of the things that surprised me the most is it's not a real dialogue-heavy movie. No. You know, uh, I mean, the the glances, the moments, the ambience of the tone of the score, it really right. does carry this whole on. They didn't really need a whole lot of dialogue. Right. I, I mean, because it was, it was very emotion-heavy. And right. I, I don't feel like it needed a lot of dialogue. And I was still completely, you know taken into this world that is less than zero and yeah you know it didn't need a lot of dialogue it's the moments that made the movie for me i honestly think that that can work in a movie's favor a lot of the times especially like we said in terms of like kind of leaning towards the artsy side of things and the cinematography and stuff like that like I would honestly prefer it in a lot of instances, especially when you're dealing with a subject matter like this. You're not going to get a lot through by just saying more or like witty Kevin Smith dialogue or something like that. Like it just doesn't work for it. So to reflect the tone of it, I think that that's everything. It just it's it's all what the movie is, though. But I well, think for this movie, it worked for it. I don't know about you guys, but I don't mean to sound pervy. But um, I could totally watch that Andrew McCarthy and oh, sex scene where they're up against the wall. and like, Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, that is like one of the hottest scenes oh, I've ever seen in a movie yeah. ever. Like the camera work, the cinematography, the music, you know, going back and forth to the party. Like, you know, this is what 
people are doing. They're all yeah. They're all bored, and the other people are like, yeah. And we're getting <laughs> on. Dan, Dan and I, being huge Sons of Anarchy fans, we can actually get off by watching the scene where all the bikers drove around the Corvette while they were getting hot and heavy in there. Oh, remember that one? Yeah, you're right. Now, how beautiful was that, though? No, I'm joking, but like, how beautiful <laughs> was that? Like, seriously, like that was stunning. That that the just the thought of it. Like, let's get like 57 bikers and 57. And weren't they women bikers? Yeah, some were. Yeah, there are some women bikers. But, like, to have them ride around the Corvette parked in the middle of an L.A. highway at nighttime. Now, listen. Sorry, guys. In real life, no. L.A. does not stop at night. No, okay, I just so. realized what I did. Uh, we watched Rat Race right after we watched. Yeah, we. Um, right. <laughs> we watched Rat Race right after we watched Lesson Zero last night. Right. And the female bikers, when they're in, like, the Hitler car yep. in Rat Race. So, that's what I was thinking. But, so. No, there were actually a couple of chicks. I I thought I think there actually were though. No, then there are biker chicks. But oddly enough, though, uh, you were the one who chose that draw for the uh, the first episode of Cut to the Chase was from that movie Rat Race. Do you remember? Really? Yeah, I, I knew you wouldn't know. You wouldn't have known. What I it didn't was. know what it was from. I just knew it said Cut to the Chase, right? It was. It, that's exactly what he said, sir. Yeah, but uh, but no, but uh, oh, by the way, Alex, <laughs> did you see the uh, the Mayans trailer that just dropped a few days ago? I absolutely did. Listen, I'm willing to watch that trailer because I know they're not going to show real scenes. That's why I was willing to watch that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm totally down. Like the whole thing with Clay and Blair. And when they were in bed and that dude walks up on them and he's like, hey, is Julian here? Like, that is all the tone of everything in this movie is insanely creepy. And not everything, but like little things like that. Julian is sleeping on a rock. And and even like those little nuances when when Clay's like, do you need anything? He just like shrugs. He's like, yep. You know, like. He has so little that what would anything really help at this point? Right. You know, like, that's what he's really saying there. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, his, his and, and let's, not, let's talk about, you know, Julian's whole arc. Like, you know, he's down and out. He thinks he's doing great. He, like, the whole opening of this movie is about him opening the panic, uh, not the panic one, the uh, Deftone Records, whatever he said. And then Deftone he's Records. still, is that what it was? I don't know. I, I wrote it somewhere. Deftone. I said it earlier. I was probably right, but or tone deaf records. Did I say tone deaf tone? Deftone. Sorry, <laughs> tone deaf records. This world can make you sick to your stomach, so I put on my headphones, listen to the deaf tones. Sorry. Yo, yo, yo. So yeah, so then he's not down and out yet. He owes Rip. He probably owed Rip forty grand. Now he owes Rip an extra ten in drugs. In you know four months, God only knows what he was doing. <laughs> um, well, I mean, and, how how much do prostitutes actually make in the eighties? prostitutes uh, well i mean he was prostitute he you know which is the darkest a really dark aspect of this movie and it completely fucks me in my head when i think about it yeah like yeah. i mean we're not gonna go into it but like i mean obviously i never prostituted myself but uh well i have so i'm gonna get into it because <laughs> i just want to <laughs> say that i haven't but i know people that have so yeah i usually get paid 350 to 425 <laughs> um, when I suck cock really good, I say something at the end where it's like, hey, bro, you know, listen, I want all that on you. What do you want to do here? And you throw me an extra 50 bucks. What uh, normally when party? I take it, yeah, when I take it up the ass and that's all we do and there's not much foreplay, he gives me about like 325. <laughs> 
and when I let him finish on my face. Oh, no. He's still going. <laughs> Did he Spider-Man you? Oh. Yeah. Oh, he flung it right in my face. Because that's when that Tobey Maguire movie came out. No, Alex. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, so actually, I reference you quite frequently. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, so Dan will, uh, like when we first started talking to her, he would send me episodes of the skeleton crew to listen to. Um, a go-to move. So, yeah, it was. And, like, so... <laughs> But no, like that, like that's kind of how I fell in love with him. So, um, Christ. But so, but there was this one episode where you're talking, like it just came out of nowhere. You're like, so have you guys ever Spider Man a girl? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, 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 what's a Spider Man? And so I just keep listening. <laughs> and, so, oh, no. and, so, and so, like, Dan never actually answered the question in the podcast, I don't think. And so I was like, hey, have you ever Spider-Man the girl? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I'm listening to the skeleton group. <laughs> he was like. That asshole you work with asked you that, didn't he? He's like, that's <laughs> fucked up, Lacey. You don't just ask a guy if he's Spider-Man a girl. <laughs> that means Dan is totally appalled by what we do on the show. But in real life, he just, like dismisses him the whole thing. He's, like, oh, no, he's worse guy. than he's worse than anything. <laughs> oh, no, no idea. Yeah, please no, don't, no. don't But uh oh, <laughs> no, I reference God. that a lot. I'm like, what, you want a Spider-Man? Like just randomly. <laughs> we'll be like Spider-Man? Spider it's a thing. Never mind. Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man, dance doing whatever Spider-Man can. <laughs> Well, oh my god, so stupid. Less than zero. Less than How about zero. Iron Man? Let's talk about Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, oh no, we'll talk about that later too. But um, oh wait, wait, can we, can we talk about Rip for a little bit? I mean, god damn. And the dude from Kill Bill. Oh yes. Wait, I don't know who that is. Who's that? that uh, the guy who makes him go in the hotel room. That guy. Oh, Bill. No, not Bill himself. Um. Who makes him go in the hotel room besides Bill? The guy on the payphone uh, when Robert Downey. Yeah, Bill. Okay, oh, that's his name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, in the but movie, yeah. it's Bill. It's from... Dan, you know well too much about payphones. <laughs> oh, oh no! Wow, deep cuts tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> no, he's in. He's in the beginning of Kill Bill. That's why I got the two. Oh, that guy, really? Yeah. No, and what's so funny about that? Like, he's also in Valley Girl. He played Tommy. Um. But what's really funny about his character in Kill Bill is if you ever watched it on, uh, like, TBS or cable television, you know how, like, they edit your words uh-huh. on shit? Um, oh, yeah, well, yeah, what they, yeah. And so, and so <laughs> one of the funniest edited things ever, because obviously his real line is, uh, I'm Buck and I'm here to fuck, right? right. That's the line? Yep, but on the cable version of the show, it's, he goes, I'm Buck. And I like to party. <laughs> like it's so ridiculously stupid. Yeah, you can't really, uh, you can't really edit Tarantino. Yeah. No, like they should have just edited the stupid whole line out because it right. ruined it. I'm, I'm, and I like to party. I'm Buck, and I like to party. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, why couldn't it be? My name is Bucky, and I like to get lucky. I mean, anything. Fuck. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they could have, but I like to party. Okay. All right, so the fucked up thing is, TBS, is you're saying raping a corpse that right. basically is a party. 
<laughs> right. Exactly. That's exactly what they're implying. Yeah. All right. I <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I honestly do think, though, that um, that he was great, though. He was fantastic. Oh, I think- God. He was so intimidating. And listen, wouldn't you say James Spader truly, like, he felt lived in? Like, yeah. he didn't feel like a fake. No. You know, listen, we all see fucking fake drug dealers in movies where it's like, oh, come on, bro. You're an actor. You think, you know, they told you to be a drug dealer and you're trying to interpret it. And the, the, the beauty of it is this. James Spader looks like he does. They had him dress like he did. Mm-hmm. He was in the fucking beautiful areas he was in. Now, he really portrayed all of those aspects. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, well, this is more of like the the script, but uh, James Spader read the script and truly knew how to interpret it. You got a minute, sweetheart? Surely to talk business, crap. No, no, all you have to do is relax. I'm gonna pay you back. All you need to do is trust me. I don't want to trust you, Julian. I just want my 50K, all right? Patience is next to godliness. Didn't anyone tell you that? I mean, actually, it's the flip side of cleanliness, but it's still pretty fucking important. Well, what the hell are we talking about here, Julian? We're talking about you giving me a G on spec. No, no way, Listen, listen, crazy. Very attractive girls falling all over me for some blood. Just hug me, hug me. No, no, you're crazy. This is the last time. As soon as the club deal goes through, I'm recashing you every penny. I hope so. Okay, well, don't hope. Trust. You know, and there's that whole connection between Julian and and Rick. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, he is serious. He's not screwing with you, dude. I know you're a hardcore drug dealer and whatever. Or, you know, whatever. So, but at the same time, he uh, he he believes in Julian. Mm-hmm. So right. when you think about it, Rip is not like the, the amazing thing about this movie is that you can actually sympathize or empathize, whatever you want to say, to every single person's plight, every single one of them. And even it doesn't stop at Rip. So when Julian is, you know, tr- you know, he says, I'm carrying you like I'm stupid. Do you have something for me? Man, I had it all worked out. Crush, I thought I did. I fucked up. I don't have any money. I don't know. I don't know where I'm gonna get it. Julian, this cannot go on forever. You owe me a lot of cash, and I'm carrying you like I'm stupid. I know, but if you just give me a chance, I'd, please don't cut me off. I'll do whatever you want. And we all know, because Dan, you've been on Marrow Children podcast enough that you know that 50K in 1987 yes. is more like 100, 100K right? 100K doubting. Okay. So imagine that. $100,000 Julian owes him. And at this point, he has not made Julian pimp. He has not whored Julian out. It's only when the panic club falls through that Julian's sitting on the terrace that's when Rip knows he's not getting his money. Right. That's the point where he's like, okay, I, I literally was carrying you like I'm stupid. Now now I'm stupid, or you're going to work for me. Listen, uh, I want you to do a favor for me. Okay, you're going to go to work for me. 
us for a little while until we're even, Steven. Well, a little business like sales, I can do that. I just want you to meet some people. Okay, they're very cool. You'll like them. These are very important people, Julian. Cool. All right, Bill's going to take you there. It's just a party. Everything's going to be just fine. And I want you to meet some people. They're very cool. And they're not even cool. Like, they're no. just people that want their dicks up. <laughs> right. They're not very cool, actually. <laughs> Let's sympathize at Rip. Julian owed him $100,000. $100,000. And he still did not pimp him out until he realized there is no hope. Right. in getting my money. Right. So, can we at least give Rip that much? At that point... Fuck Rip, no. <laughs> no, there's no way I would ever agree with this guy or what he... Or his methods... Or his methods of, you know, trying to get the money back. I'm sorry, I'm not going to prostitute my friend out that's completely straight to go suck dick. It's just not what I'm going to do. <laughs> no, I'm not agreeing with that. Like, I don't care how much money my friend fucking owes me. Like, okay, you know what? If you want to go suck dick on your own time and give me money back from that, cool. No, Lacey, it's it's not it's not two thousand dollars. It's a hundred thousand. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like I'm not an idiot who's just going to loan out a hundred thousand dollars to a druggie. Like okay, so you're saying you wouldn't be in that position in the first place? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. different. Well, that's the thing with drugs is you get yourself in positions where you would never think that you would be in and then it's and then it's too late. Well, I'm I would never get I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm a very giving person, but I just don't see myself <laughs> lending a drug addict $100,000. Oh my god. <laughs> the fucking worst. Wow. That is probably um I wouldn't say my favorite scene, but probably the realest scene because I've I've been in positions like that where, you know, like that just goes back to typical peer pressure shit. Obviously, it's ramped up to the to the hundredth degree in this in this aspect. But like there's so many times where people like what is it? Misery loves company, you know, and I think that's really the basis of it all, too, is like, you know, yeah, he's he's a business partner or whatever, but he just needs him. Like he he needs Robert Downey Jr.'s help. He doesn't care about him. He he doesn't want him to get clean. Like he's got no desire for him to get clean because he's in that world too. Like why would he want him to leave? He's right. It doesn't benefit him ultimately. It doesn't. And I don't know. It's just such a like Robert Downey Jr. is more valuable as a dick sucker than he is. Oh my god. He is though. Oh, I'm sorry. The thing. The, the part, <laughs> he's more right? valuable as a dick sucker. The part, the, the aspect, though, that... I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Then he is as a friend who I'm going to hook up every once in a while. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to tweet that to him. I just feel like with, with people like that... <laughs> sorry, you were uh, more valuable as a dick sucker. <laughs> You're more valuable as a dick sucker. I'm going to tell you the truth. Like, sorry. Iron Man did nothing for your career. More valuable than dick something. Like for real. Listen, when when Clay pulled you away from that guy, it broke my heart. Oh, and Ultron pimped you out as a whore. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that one time, Ultron? Um, <laughs> Back in the day. 
This is why I'm after you. You still owe me money, Iron Man. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Try to um, the bottom. But but no, see, so here's the thing though. It, it it kind of it just shows you that, you know, that's a tough decision for him to make in the end, you know, because you got he obviously knows that that guy wasn't his fucking friend by any means, but it goes back to, it, it it goes back to that same thing where you said in the beginning, Lacey, where with uh, Jamie Gertz and she knows what's comfortable, you know, and there's always that that comfort level with doing drugs and stuff like that, where it makes you feel comfortable in the moment. Like, that's what people kind of shy away from. Like, drugs actually work. They do what they're supposed to do. They take you out of. Right. Why else would everybody? Yeah. Exa- absolutely. But like the fact that, that obviously we all know how that plays out, too, is it just prolongs things. It exacerbates things to the, well, the upteenth millionth extent. Sorry, Jim. No. <laughs> so like it, it protects you with the moment. It's solace. It's an escape. It's a yeah, it's a shield. It's an escape. Sure. Yep. It's. It's like you don't even know what you're running from if you're running to something. If you just feel so isolated from the world that it's like, well, I don't belong. I don't feel part of this. I want to with my own escapism in my head. I got described. I, I, I was uh, I had drug addiction described like this to me one time. They said the uh, the longest way is the shortcut. And what I mean by that is drugs provide you a shortcut saying like, oh, well, I'm going to get to this point quicker, right? right? Because, you know, you don't feel nervous. You don't feel, um, you don't feel anything. You can just be yourself and you don't have to deal with the emotions that you would feel necessarily going through those things. You just get to that point quicker, except for the fact that it doesn't work. So you have to go back to the start again. So and then it's a constant going back and forth because they don't work. Like I said, it just sets you back and you like, you know, don't don't pass go, don't collect two hundred dollars type of thing, or don't don't, you know, collect a hundred grand in this case. So you you keep going back, but the, the shortcut is the straight line. It's the way to do things. You know, you may think it's the long way, but like it's the right thing to do. And if you do what you're supposed to do and you go through the emotions that you don't necessarily want to go through, but you do it anyways, you're going to get there a lot quicker as if you were to just, you know, party and and try and, you know, take shortcuts, cut corners, not feel things like you just in life. You have to you have to work it out in your head. You have to get to that point. And that's why that the, the end of this movie is 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 so tragic and sad, too. Because, like you said, Lacey, I feel like even though he did go back to that, he did, he did get it. Like he wanted yeah. it so bad, you know. And you see that so many times where people are so fucking close, dude. And, getting there. And and but literally, and then you have that fucking asshole who's right there with the crack pipe. Like, dude, I've seen that happen. I've had that happen. Not necessarily with a crack pipe, uh, but, you know, throw in any other drug and that's fucking happened. And, and it's that easy, you know? And Dan, all I want to say is you look like shit. You're fucked up. It only needs a better kind of cocaine. Well, thank you, sir. I mean, I'm, I'm working <laughs> on it. Coke's coming back. Well, can I address like one <laughs> other element of this movie before we get into the end of it? Absolutely. Um, so <clears throat> let's go back I to, let's go back to Blair. Um, because her aspect is, which is the part that I relate to the most, um, 
you know, I've never really had anybody relate to me in any way of this, I guess, other than, you know, my own family. But, um, you know, when you're trying to help somebody and nobody is, you know, you're trying everything that you can and you're trying to get help to help somebody else because you can't, sometimes you just can't do it by yourself. And that's, so it's so frustrating and it's so heartbreaking. And, you know, you're trying to explain like she was to Clay you know, how fucked up their friend was and they just wanted to give him all this help or she just wanted to get him help and she knew how bad he was and nobody's listening and, you know, and Julian obviously wasn't listening to her and it's so, sorry, obviously, like, I've probably dealt with this more in my life than I probably should have, but I always feel like I'm trying to help people along in this situation and it's so, when when you're telling somebody else and they just aren't getting the severity of the problem, uh-huh. you know? Um, and so it just fucks with her and it fucks with you and you just want to help this person and you right. can't and nobody else is willing to help you help this person. Like they're like, Oh, they're just a lost cause. No, they're not. This is a person like you help them, you know, right. do whatever you can. This is a person you obviously care about. And I don't know. It's, that's just something, the aspect of what I took away from her. And I don't know, maybe I'm dumb, but yeah. No, and honestly, Lacey, that's why, um, that's but why. But there is two sides to, you know, every angle of. Without a doubt. Without, oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's why, like I said in the beginning of the show, I mentioned it a couple of times. That's why, and I hate to get really serious. I know this is cut to the chase and this is a little. Yeah, let's joke around, guys. So this guy, <laughs> like, what overdoses, man. <laughs> But no, really though, like, here's the thing, you know, I, we wouldn't be able to fucking joke like this if it wasn't honestly for you two people sitting right in front of me, because, you know, you talk about fucking saving me. God damn. Like when you're in, when you're in a place that fucking dark, first of all, you think that everybody fucking hates you because your self-esteem is at a low that it's never been at before. And, and you really do feel like a fucking piece of shit, you know? It takes a specific, a certain type of person to see beyond all the bullshit that, that you've, you've put them through that, that you know, they put, you, you provide a perspective. I mean, all I can say is I can see it from my perspective, and you guys have both helped me more than anybody has. Anybody. And I'm talking, like, family, close friends that, you know, live near me or whatever. Actually, all those motherfuckers are usually detrimental to what I'm trying to do. You know, you guys see the good in me and you try and help me through my struggles, which obviously, you know, creates a snowball effect and it makes me, you know, feel good about myself and it, and it makes me determined and it makes me get back to the person that I know that I am and, and say, fuck the bullshit, that's not me. You know, that was an aspect of me. But if I can just cut that out, then I can I can get to the person and, and reach my full potential and stuff like that. So that's why, okay, so from your perspectives, it, 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 it meant different things, watching this movie and, and doing this episode. Now, wait, wait, let me just say this when, in lieu of you. Yes. I almost was brought to tears because I thought of you because I just watched this before we came on and obviously, you know. You know, it's like a whole thing and what you went through and everything. Yeah. I literally, when Clay said, I'll do whatever, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. I literally thought of you. I was just like, that's how I feel. 
And I remember when you first came back, mm -hmm. the biggest apology I had to you when you came back for the first time, and we talked about how we had that whole falling out and everything. Yes. I said my biggest regret is that I didn't just say, let's shut down the whole show. Dan is top priority. Whatever it takes, we're getting him clean, and he's going to be, you know, okay. We're, we'll be the complete, you know, support system. Whatever it takes, that's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I said, that's what I should have done. Mm -hmm. And instead, I was so selfish and i guess not much younger but younger at the time i was like uh 20 uh what year was that 14 i was like 14. 25 yeah mm -hmm. 35 gee i wish i was 25 <laughs> 35 yeah and um and i was like god if i only thought like i do now then you know all those years ago like that's what i would have done i would have just shut shit down and said no I would have felt. I would have said exactly what Clay said. I, I don't care. Whatever it takes. Whatever. I was so like messed up by the idea that we were wrapping up the skeleton crew and we we're just about to be done with it. Right. And we we're just about five episodes left. <laughs> and and I had this weird conflict in my head. Like, well, we're just about to done, and now he's doing this, and now I'm mad, and now this and that. So like, I was being very selfish and really like not a real friend. And I. And I always will always feel guilty about not being a better friend and not putting you as a priority and not not what you put quote unquote put us through, which is nothing. All it means is you didn't show up to a few recordings. And when I did, I was fucking gone out of you my mind. You guys are gonna make me cry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, so, but like no. it was just like there's so much more to life than recording, right? More than a right. podcast. Right, and how could I not see past that? Who cares if we're right up... You were addicted to podcasting, Alex. Podcasting <laughs> is your Blair. Yeah, exactly. I'm Clay, and that's my Blair. Like, and it's like, how could I possibly put we're ending this show before the health of my best friend? And it's like, am I an asshole or something? Like, could I really have done that? And sometimes I look back and wonder, could I, could I be that person? It's like fucked up to even wonder. But that's... Yeah, but Alex, that's not the end of the fucking story, though. Like, if if it ended there, then it'd be one thing. But like, I'm all about like looking looking back at things and really seeing them for what they are, not necessarily creating a narrative for them. But at the same time, like, look at that. Like, look look what it did, and then we came back, and you know, we had the best year that we've ever had. Those last reviews that we did were fucking fire, bro. Like. Everybody was on their game. It was so much fun. It was first of all, like we never left. Second of all, like I I came back with a fire because it wasn't. I mean, this sounds so cheesy, but I wasn't trying to necessarily prove it to you guys because I know you guys have seen it in me, and I can I can you know be competent somewhat. <laughs> that depends on who's listening for them to. <laughs> no, we know that. But, but but it wasn't for that. It was just like all right. Well, I felt like you guys have been there for me through fucking thick and thin, and yeah, we had our falling out, but dude, when we talked about that shit, it was all just petty shit back and forth anyways, and yeah, it was misunderstandings, it was it was not necessarily being there for one another, but that doesn't matter now. Like, we're talking, it's fucking 2018. Where we're at right now, stronger than ever, and I think that's the moral of the fucking story, and that's, that's a good place to kind of end it, because... You know, right. it's you, never too late. And, so. and, and you've got to go through fucking hell to get through heaven. It's Unless you're Julian. Thing. Unless you're right. Yeah, the, there's a point where it is too late eventually. But. That's the thing, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you. You know, 
Oh, by, by the way, I thank God every day that you never became Julian. Just saying that. Thank you. God. That I would, I would be like in a corner, just like, <laughs> like you know, double over, and I don't know what I would do for months on end. Well, and I think like the ending of this movie like really resonates, like with Dan and I's story. Yeah. Uh, you know, because um, obviously, um, I mean, if you know us, then you kind of, kind of know our story. And, like, how we met, and um, obviously, like, we hadn't met in person, um, and we were going to, and... Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fucking believable Yeah. But, go yeah, ahead. it was... Uh, I, won't, I won't go into full detail, but anyways, like, so, like, I mean, there was a bad point, obviously, and, mm. you know, you just want to get to this person because you think that you can, you know, help them in any way that you can, and that's kind of how it felt in the aspect of, you know, uh, with Julian, Clay and Blair, like you, like you finally feel like you're, 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 you're closing in and you're going to get this person what they need. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and then it's to no avail and, you know, that Julian obviously died and, you know, they were so close and I'm so glad that that's not the end of our story. and from somebody, from my perspective, I that's why I could honestly say without, you know, hamming this up and, and, and going like, you know, emo with it or whatever, I can truly fucking honestly say that you two both fucking saved my life on several different occasions, you know? And even with this last time, you know, I remember, I remember just being in the darkest place that I've ever been in my entire life. And Lacey... I talked to you every day on a payphone. That was the joke that you made earlier. <laughs> and no, but like when you're in a place like that where I was, it was fucking horrible. First of all, it wasn't a rehab. It was basically like fucking jail, dude. It was run by the Department of Corrections. It was literally hell. Like I, I saw some shit in there that I, I don't even want to repeat. It was like atrocious. But in that, like you it really gets down to the bare bones of things you know it really gets down to all right well who's gonna be there for me you know and it also puts thing, things into perspective where it's like all right well is this what you want because this is exactly what you're gonna get you got a fork in the road you you can either take this the, you know you can either take a left and you can do the same shit that you've always done and get the same fucking exact results that's the definition of insanity or you could take you could take a right to everything that you've ever wanted and basically get everything out of life that you've always dreamed of and then some like i i thought i knew what love was i had no fucking idea until i was until i met lacey and to see her come come at my at my aid and just be there with me just talking with me daily like that like i can't even explain what that does to somebody when you're in such a dark place like it completely i told her this i'll never forget this day june 15th is when i got your letter it was the most important day of my life because in that letter too you know, uh, she talked about you too, Alex, you know, because that, no, that was very, I'm sorry. no, no, <laughs> it was very important to me though. Because... She wasted a few lines. <laughs> hey, no, it was like, it was, it was a pretty long letter. It was, it was, it was four pages. I still have it. I, I have Yeah, that doesn't call. sound so long when you say it like that. No, no, <laughs> it's no. It was six. <laughs> it was four pages and she sent, and she sent six letters. And on top of that, we talked every day. And I got to tell you, like, this is why, you know, this is why a show like this, this is good for 
to express these type of, types of emotions because I feel like without without getting too deep into it, I wouldn't be the happy person. I wouldn't have the fun that I have on these podcasts if it wasn't for getting through those dark times, you know? And, and you literally brought me from the depths of hell when I got that first letter from you. And, and you made me see things in such a way where, you, you know how things like in the background, you always kind of know, but not, it was like I could physically see it with my own eyes. I don't know what you want to call it, like call it like an epiphany. That's what I like to call it because it, it puts a word to it. But it was just so clear. And it's like, what are you doing, you fucking asshole? Like, this is insane. And and it meant so much to me that it's it's honestly... I can't even comprehend it in my own head. So to try to explain it to people, it's it's extremely difficult. But all well, you, you never felt a true isolation because you felt there were people outside that gave a fuck, and what you do from this point matters to someone besides your own existence. Dude, I didn't honestly when I tried before. I didn't want to get clean. I have a reason now. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much good. That it would be insane to to take that to take that left turn, and 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 that's why it's so important. Like I said, to have you guys on this episode, it kind of encapsulates everything. <laughs> Lacey, that word again. Um, it kind of encapsulates everything. I did it again. Guys, do a shot, or else do a do a, a, a thing of uh, crack every time. I know, right? <laughs> no, for, for this episode, you have to do actual crack, or uh, <laughs> <laughs> like we have to go all out on this episode. I my drink out on that one. That's the thing, though. I physically can't, and I drinks I, won't I, do it. <laughs> I love that about myself. That the fact that like. I am so happy for the first time in my life, and I do. I really do owe it to the people that had my back, you know. And you two are are at the forefront of that, you know. We and love that, you, Dan Chase. Well, I love you guys more than anything, and that's and, and and I'm so happy that we get to do podcasts like this. I'm so happy that we get to have fun reviewing movies and shit like that. But I really did want to do this episode. Basically, as a thank you, like on so many different levels, like thank you for for not giving up on me. But more importantly, like shit, thanks for fucking saving my life, because I'll be honest with you, like you said, like without having without knowing that those people had my back, you know, out there, like I, I you feel so isolated when you're alone like that, that you got nothing. You feel like, wow, like. You think, think everyone hates you, but then to, to know that, no, that's not the case. Everybody's fucking pulling for you. Everyone that's cared for you in the past, they're still pulling for you, even though you fucked up several times or whatever. Um, and I honestly feel like it was a turning point for me, and, and there's no going back now. And I've never felt like that in my life, and that's just some honest-to-God true shit. And I, I honestly think it's, it's, yeah, it starts with me, but from my perspective, I see life a certain way and the way I see it, it's, I see it. I see my future with, with you two in it, you know, and that future is bright. Like it's a future of doing fucking the 10th year skeleton reunion show. You know, it's, it's doing a, a podcast after Lacey and I's wedding. Like it's going down, like <laughs> it's going down. Like, and, and I think about all these things and it gives me so much hope and it just makes me smile that those are the things that occupy my thoughts now, not drugs. Like it's, it's the complete fucking opposite. It's a 180. It's such a different way of thinking. And, you know, Can I just say, I love that you put the 10th reunion of 
the skeleton crew encompassed into. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Right next to the wedding. That is just so. I'm glad that you think of us on the same level because it is on the same level. I <laughs> no, listen. The shows we've shared together are, bar none, the top priority in everyone's life. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, forget the DJ. You're just going to play the skeleton crew the entire like, Exactly. I don't know how you could play anything else. <laughs> exactly. I think everybody should hear what I think of Halloween 5 while you're on your wedding, while you're doing your first dance. I want to hear the Tom Atkins interview. No, no, it's going to be like, do you say I do? Spider-Man? <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear Dan where he talks about his, how he heard laughing in his in his head for a year and a half during our Evil Dead retrospective. I want to hear everything during your guys' first dance. I want, I want video of me. I just want this whole thing to be full-blown. Skeleton crew, that's all that matters. I don't know how you guys are doing anything else for your life besides Marriage Children Podcast. Hey, man, I was doing a lot of mushrooms back then. Going to the Mall of America. Basically, uh, it's over. I'm quitting. I'm not going to work for you anymore. I'm not buying. I'm going to clean up. I'm probably going back into rehab. And I'm just going to get my life under control. (laughs) Julian, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? You're a junkie. You're not going to quit. I'm going to get you back your money. When? I don't know. I'm talking to my dad. I'm going to work it out. And just know I can you look so sincere when you say that, but, you know, I've heard all this before. What, I mean, what are you telling me that's new? Julian, make an effort. Give me a new excuse, at least. You know, I've heard this shit before. No, the difference is that I mean it this time. Good. Are you ready to work for me tonight? No, I'm not. Julian, where have you been hiding? Rip. Rip, come on, how long have we known each other? We've been friends. Yes, we are friends, aren't we, Yeah, for a long time. Please don't make me do this, okay? I can't do it. I think you'd be surprised at what you can do, Julian. As we're wrapping it up, I feel like there's, like, so many notes I wanted to touch on. Is there a way we could do, like, uh, what is that called, um... A sudden death or something where they just zip through yes, shit? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sudden death. Okay, can we do that? Yeah. Well, break it down, bro. I have a couple things too, so yeah. Okay. Oh, perfect. Yeah, let's do a sudden death for like 40 minutes, right? <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> All right, 20 minutes, fine. There was one thing where like Blair was sitting on the couch and she just had this blank look in her eyes and she was totally fucked up. And what you saw behind her eyes was all like the pain in her life, the lack of her father, the lack of Clay, Julian's downfall, and herself being a cokehead. I think that she had all those like things that just never left her mind and all her words were almost projections of like a, a, a robot that just spoke. Right. That almost she was just acting what a human should act like. But that was the only what thing a human that was. Act like. <laughs> but that was the only thing that was actually spinning around in any of her thought functions. Mm-hmm. All those things. Yep. Blair. Oh yeah. Blair comes home 
to give her dad a present on Christmas. And she, if you notice, Ugh. also eats that candy that's on, like, the big long table, the same way uh, Clay ate the candy when he came home. And it's almost, it almost like, to not look too way into it, or be, like, too pseudo-intellectual about it, but it, it was almost like that was the only flavor that they had in that home. Because right. everything else was so dead, mm-hmm. you know? And candy was the only thing that could ever that could ever taste any kind of like anything mm-hmm. in that home. So she goes in, and her dad talks to her through the door. Never comes outside, what? but the girl he's banging comes out, and within like seven seconds, he says he calls her back into the fucking bedroom. Well, no, actually. I didn't actually say this when we were watching it last night, but like clearly, like she was sucking his dick. Right, clearly. Because I mean, she comes out, she comes out like wiping her mouth and shit, and then she like kisses <laughs> Blair kisses on the again. cheek, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, that's kind of. <laughs> but I mean, like clearly, that was her dad's dick. Like, sorry. Wow. But, I mean, that, really. I'm a fucked up person. Like fucked up thoughts. So that means that the skin fragments of her dad's dick was pressed against her cheek. Yeah. That's a very detailed way to describe it, but yes. I mean, that's what I was thinking. Like, is that, like, because, I mean, the chick came out and she's all like, ah, ah. Like, hey, Blair. I just got to suck in your daddy's dick. Wow, this is so hot. Okay, I'm going to record this. Episode. Oh, wait, we already are. That was the one part of the movie that I thought that was a little over the top when she did that. I was like, oh, really? Yeah, we like, didn't even touch base on it, but I totally thought it. I'm oh, sure you did. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So how about when Julian's all coked up and he needs a drink to balance out and and uh, and Riff always refers to him as sweetheart. Right. And he always refers to Clay as sport. So it's like, well, I think Clay got the better end of that deal. Like, (laughs) sweetheart. It's almost, you know, it's weird about that. When you think about it, it's like almost foreshadowing. Like, why would you call a guy sweetheart? Do you think Rip had gay tendencies? In the book, even Julian, uh, sorry, even uh, Clay seemed to have a tendency of bisexuality. It's a very fine line in the book. Uh For Rip to always say sweetheart to a guy, I don't know. I really, it's almost like a more demeaning term as if, but here's the thing that doesn't make sense about it. I'm not trying to poke holes through this movie at all. I haven't done it in like the first two hours, obviously. But it's like, why would you call him sweetheart when he hasn't sucked a dick yet? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right. Um, Well, and the thing is, these kids are so wealthy. They could have anything that they want, anything that they want, but yet they choose to demean their friends, prostitute them. You know, it's weird. In the book, I just read today. To today, Junior. I know. Sorry. Maruto. Because I'm trying to think and talk at the same time, because I'm trying to recall this thing I read. Clay says to Rip, he goes, there's a very odd scene where in a house that Rip hangs in, there's a, there's, sorry, I hope I don't like freak people out, but in the book, there's a 12 year old girl who's strapped to a bed and her legs are spread apart and tied like that. Yes. And her arms are tied straight up in the bed against the posts, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, they even describe everything. Like her her junk is like uh, dried up looking and it looks cleanly shaved. <laughs> so I guess there's like razor bumps. Like I don't know where they were going with this. I don't know either. <laughs> but she, dude, she was 12. Oh, wow. Jesus Christ, that's dark. Right. So the guys who hung out with Rip would like stick their pecker in her mouth and stuff and obviously have sex, I'm sure, at some point. But they didn't get to that point mm-hmm. in the book. And so Clay says to him, why? Why? He goes, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And he goes, why not? Right. And, and then Clay says, dude, you have everything. There's like a weird character moment where um, Rip says, I don't have everything. And then he says something like, what, do you, what don't you have? Or whatever. And he says, I have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. So even Rip, with all he has, feels like he has nothing to lose. Like, there's nothing of value in Rip's life. Oh, totally. So what Lacey was saying, in the book, they die... Uh, in the book, <laughs> they dive deeper. Yeah. And, and they say, uh, Rip has nothing to lose. Now, would you agree that that spills over into this movie? Yeah, and that's what I meant by uh, when I said misery loves company. I think that he's so far gone that, like, you know, when he sees somebody that that is trying to get away from that life or whatever, he's like, nah, like, you know, like, you know, you're coming with me type of thing. Um, probably not as as much as the book, like like how you just described it, but I think that we're definitely elements that, and and definitely certain lines and and just the vibe that I got from his character in general that definitely reflects that. Yeah, for sure. But like that's just like I said, misery loves company. I think it's that simple. Like people are just so depraved and just so far gone that they not only see we they they not only see but they just want to bring everybody else down as well. So they say those hurtful things to to break down their spirit, to break their spirit, to, to bring them back, to bring them back down to their level, and um, and and yeah. So I think definitely it's there's there's definitely that thing going on. Some parallel, absolutely, yeah, without a doubt. Yep. Okay. So one of the observations that Julian was wearing the same shirt ever since he like was with the car dealer guy with that white shirt with the big flower on it. Mm-hmm. Like it was funny. He just like that was like his thing for the rest of that movie. Well, I don't know. His shoes were terrible throughout oh, the whole movie. Oh god, with those little things oh. at the end. They were like high those... hills with sandals. I mean, I think Dan Chase might know a thing or two about that. That was one time. One time. It was one time. Oh, it's funny. I'm glad you mentioned that. So when Julian's doing that thing in the Corvette and he almost falls off and Clay and Blair grab him, and then when he sits back down, the look they have on their face is like, we are with a fucking lunatic, but... Right. We love him. And that's who we are with and this and that. I really... I I always feel that that's how you and Jamie felt about me during the skeleton crew, like in the earlier years before I kind of worked things out and got better with like everything about me or how I deal with things or whatever. I've, I always felt like you guys both looked at you like we're with a crazy guy, but that's who we're with and that's what we're doing. So we're just going to go with it. Like okay. I, I never really could comprehend how you guys felt or what you secretly said when I wasn't around or whatever. Well, no, it's not even as bad as you think, though. No, because as a result of that, things would happen. We'd have, you know, some some arguments or whatever. And 
I know that you felt this as well, where it's like, this has gotten a little out of hand and it was all predicated upon like, you know, releasing the show on time and stuff like that. Things, things that, 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 that mean that you think didn't mean anything. And I thought were so important for some reason. That's the thing though. I knew they did mean something, but I felt like there had to be a balance. So like if we couldn't get it out that day, well then we get it out the next day or maybe the day after that. But I I was not hearing that at the time. Right. right? But which, you know what, like you said, dude, that was then. And, and you came around really quick and, but here's the thing though, dude, somebody like you that has the drive that you do, like you, you got to take that. You got to take the good with the bad. Like, you're so fucking dedicated to what you do. That's why you're the best at what you do. And that's why, like, I always felt honored to be on a podcast with you because it was so it, it, the, the shows were driven in a certain direction and it had such a vision that that when that got fucked with, I could totally feel your pain. You know what I mean? Like you put in a lot more hours than we did editing and, you know, uploading the show trying to time it, stuff like that or whatever. So I totally got what you were saying. But then on the other side of it, the bow, the, the, the flip side to that is we... Yeah, it's like, what is this guy, fucking lunatic? Not only, no, it wasn't even that, bro. It was the fact that, like I said before, like, look at where I was at, too. So it, it wasn't necessarily just just you. It was me coming from a completely different perspective, a different angle, and, and them just not gelling or whatever. But once, right, once right. again, I'll harken back to what I said before, where... It's uh, it's a little something that Lacey and I like to call course correction. You know, you just gotta see it for what it is and just adjust. And and you adjust and you take the other person's feelings into consideration, and and you just you just adjust and you and you move forward and you see it for what it is. You don't forget what happened by any means, no, because you have to see it in order to move on. But you also gotta leave it behind. And and move forward, which Alex, like we did, obviously you we know? did that, and, right? And, and, yeah, I'm just trying to like recall because for the the sake of what we're doing, absolutely, yep. And I, that's how I felt whenever I saw that scene. Yeah, you know. What the hell are you doing? Just watching. Little tiny fucking Tim. On inside. No, no, it's too crowded. What's wrong? Come on, man. Do I look like something's wrong? I need money, Clay. How much? How much? 50,000. 50 and change. I can use that. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Before. Drug debt. What do you think it's for? All right, I'll talk to Rip. No, you won't. You don't want to talk to him. Well, I can't get that much. Not right away. Play. I'm fucked, right? I don't know what to do, and you're the only one. What happens when you pay? I don't know. Think about it. Do you start over? Clay, I need the fucking money, all right? I don't need a discussion on the finer points of morality. Spare me! All right, how much do you have? Nothing! 
Wait. Just wait. Uh, how about when the scene where like Julian goes up to Rip and he's like, you know, this after the, you know, uh, Blair and Clay uh, help him clean up, and he's, you know, he did the whole like crazy scene where he's walking down the hallway and throwing up. There's puke in his hair. There's puke on his collar. Right. All that stuff. You know, that's obviously riveting. It's uh, one of the best act. It's riveting. <laughs> like that riveting. sounded like it's riveting. Like it sounds so riveting as you're explaining it. <laughs> like it's riveting. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying it that way because I think everybody knows that already. So I'm kind of like, okay, we all know this. Well, like, did you guys notice like like, okay, so, like, obviously he, like, has, the, Robert Downey Jr. has this drug addiction or whatever, but, like, it seems to, like, take its toll on him really fast. Yeah. Like, as, as this movie is going, and, like, he just gets worse and worse each scene. Mm-hmm. Like, but, I mean, it's only, like, a couple days. Is that really how it happens, or... I mean, um, like, I mean, like, his lips are, like, all cracked. I don't know if that's from sucking so much dick. Well, um, yeah, that, that was the whole thing. I couldn't really figure out, like, how did it all get like that so quickly, visually? I know I know, being up, like, seeing people on meth and seeing people do coke, they don't sleep at all. And then, obviously, that gets perpetuated by more drug use. So, yeah, after, like, a three-day binge, I don't know how long exactly it was in the movie, but after, like, a three-, four-day binge, I've seen motherfuckers look fierce, dude. Like, I mean horrific so i i buy it yeah i think in real life it probably would have taken a little longer and they probably took certain liberties to tell the story but that's pretty accurate i'd say more or less you know well what's really accurate is the whole withdrawal process i've actually been with people and i've i've actually done exactly what blair and clay did Mm. the the one drug i managed to avoid was heroin and stuff like that so i didn't really have to go through like a detox of, of any like real sorts in anything I have ever dabbled in. Uh-huh. But like I have seen that the whole withdrawal method of Robert Downey Jr. and everything he did, that was pretty accurate more so for heroin. But I think he was, I don't know what he was doing. It seemed like crack. Well, think. they said smack. Oh, did they? So, yeah. They said smack like uh, that rip's been giving him smack. Oh, wow, okay. So I don't know what smack is, but... That's heroin. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But, um, you know, to get into, like, one of the quotes, which I think is kind of maybe, like, the theme of the movie, is when... I just want you guys to know that I know how much you've helped me. You know what I mean? You've helped me when I didn't deserve help, and and you've been so kind to me, no matter how much I keep fucking up. This is why I'm going to make it up to you for everything. All right? I'm going to deserve your friendship. That's it. I mean, I just, you know, I want you to hear it from me. I want to, uh, I want you to stop me before I say something grotesquely sentimental. What do you guys think oh, there's of that? There's so many depths to this. I think I honestly think though that this this movie with lines like that, it's fucking beautiful. Like I love stuff like that. I love I love lines like that that just kind of 
um, transcend just like, oh, yeah, it's a normal drug movie, like getting clean or whatever. It really takes you right to that moment because you feel like it's authentic. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, just the short of it, I love that line. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's, like, heartbreaking. It is. Listen, leave Julian alone. Well, Merry Christmas to you, too. Bye. You heard me. You need a hobby sport, you know? You've been busting your butt for Julian since day one, and it's a waste of time. I know. I'll get the money. I'll sell my car, whatever it takes. What, have you seen Julian recently? You'll get what he owes you. You're right, I will. And you want to know something, Clay? It's got nothing to do with you. Now listen to me, honey, okay? I am not the problem here, all right? Julian is. I've been patient. I let it slide. You know how much he owes me? Anybody else would have cut him off a long time ago. Julian's dead. Forget about him. I'm telling you that as a friend, Glenn. I am not your friend, and I'm tired of your bullshit. You leave Julian alone. Don't deal to him. Don't give it to him. Don't you fucking go near him. I'll get the money. You just leave him alone, asshole. Who the fuck do you think you're talking to, pal? And how about when the, when the chick nose bleeds and then Blair realizes, what am I doing here? And then she yep. puts it down the drain. Yeah, and go get go call the plumber. plumber. Yeah, Dan even <laughs> quoted that last night as we were watching. He was like, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and did you guys actually think Julian was going to die? Like, did you think that no. they were going to get away? or? Yeah, because yeah, he seemed fine. I honestly thought that it was going to be somewhat of an ambiguous ending in that he wanted to get clean and there was hope, but it was kind of like, eh, well, we still don't know definitively because we're just watching him literally right off in the sunset, barely, you know, with his life. Almost yeah. there, yeah. Well, because he's like, I just need to sleep and I'll be fine because he was fine every other time. I need a few hours sleep, yeah. Because right. you're fine until you're not. Exactly. Yeah, That and that's the fucked up thing about drugs is like, it can be just that one time. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it's, it's not like, oh, dude, you're, you're leaning towards it. I guess maybe alcoholics, like, yeah, there's a slow process with your livers. and But even then, like, the doctors will tell you, and it's a very evident thing. But with an overdose, dude, there's no coming back from that. I mean, I know people that have literally fucking died and came back, and then they still fucking do drugs. Like, I know one motherfucker that did it the same night that he fucking overdosed, got Narcan, and then did it again, died again. After 10 cc's of Narcan? It's, it's Holy shit. absolutely insane. So, unfortunately, it's one of those things where, yeah, there's no coming back from it. And that's, you're fine that's, until you're not, yeah. Right. How, how did you guys get introduced to this movie? Oh, well, I'll, I'll go first. It was, I mean, this starts probably from the most recent and then you guys obviously but uh it was it was you two like i said uh alex had mentioned it before he had told me to watch this movie and he told me uh a brief description as to why he liked it and and that's why i should check it out and i did and i do remember seeing it but i don't remember it like i like i it didn't it didn't necessarily have the impression that it did on me then than it did this time, like for real. And maybe that's just because of my own personal journey or whatever. And like I said, then Lacey, when we were talking, um, you guys had mentioned your back and forth on, uh, what was it, just Facebook or whatever. And it brought and it brought it back, and I was like, oh, wow. And then I realized that, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 exactly, brought it back. Oh, God, we won't go there. So I'm so confused. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> just yeah. listen to the later episode. 
So, and then obviously it was, it was you, AC, that brought it to the forefront this time. And it kind of was this full circle thing for me personally. Make me understand, Julian. I really want to understand. No, you don't. You look like a fucking whore to me. Rip made me do that. It's not like I had a choice. Shit, man, you did it. You did it to yourself and you know it. Fuck good. off. Fucking run away. That's what you're really good at. It's what you always do. I'm not coming after you. Not anymore. Not well, you time. don't know. Well, tell me. You don't know. Forget it. Get in the car. Leave me alone. What are you going to do now? Are you going to go back to Rick? Are you going to run and hide? I really want to know what you're going to do now. I'll tell you that one. I don't know. Come with me. Just leave with me. I'll take you back to school. There's no reason for you to stay. Not here, not in L.A. It's over. Let's go. Do I look like I'm ready for homework? I I was, like, obsessed with Robert Downey Jr. before everyone else was. And, and it's not a badge of honor. I don't think that's cool. It's a loser thing either way. Whenever well, it from, happens. like, Weird Science? Um, I was obsessed. Weird Science is probably my favorite movie as a teen. Robert Russell. Right, that too. Him too. That's are obsessed. Robert Downey Jr. with this movie and... And Chaplin, I like became enamored with this guy. And I actually, in the year, like, let's just say 2002 or so, I went and rented and copied every single one of his movies. Even Chances Are? Oh, yeah. I fucking love that movie. Or Mary Stewart. Oh, when he's a ghost, right? No, you're thinking of Hearts and Souls. Oh, uh, well, chances are. What the hell is that one? Uh, uh, chances are is when he died and came back as Shooter McGavin. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I saw that too. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just, yeah, I'm good like that. And then this movie, Only You with Teresa Tomei or Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei. <laughs> Listen, I'm drunk. My cousin Vinny. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, how's the Chinese food? No, okay. So, so. I was totally into this guy, and he was on the show Ally McBeal. Yes. That was his comeback, right? Yes, it was, and he fucked up that, too, because he was arrested on Thanksgiving in a hotel, in a motel room doing coke, and then they let him back on the show after that. Then he fucked up again and got arrested in April of that stint of Ally McBeal, which is like, you know, six months later, then they had to throw him off. So he agreed to film his exit, mm-hmm. which was the worst because in his exit, he well, said, don't ruin it. I, I'm, I'm still watching the show. Don't. Oh, okay, perfect. All right. Well, then he said something that was very profound about how he can't promise himself. He won't fuck his life up. Right. Basically. He says yeah, it in so, the show. Yes. Yeah, he basically says what we all know because everybody knows it. It's all over the, it's all over the news. Well, he says I can't promise myself I won't. No, he says I don't know why I screw up, and the biggest lie of all would be to, to say I don't know why I won't screw up again. Mm-hmm. But he says it maybe in a couple different wording. But he but didn't basic- screw up again after that, though, did he? No, no, he. That, that's when. Uh, after that, I don't know. Did you watch the interview that he did with that guy that was like trying to provoke him, Martin and he Boucher, like walked out yeah. of the interview? Absolutely. Yeah, and he said he he goes, "What are you trying to do here, dude?" Yeah, exactly. That was bullshit, though. 
Yeah, he was trying to get like some like uh, you know. Uh, he did that with that guy's been known for doing interviews like that though. He's a piece of shit. Oh, he did Michael Jackson. He did that? That? right, absolutely. He may look like a pedophile, which he is probably. <laughs> but we don't know. Uh, he slept. He literally had sleepovers with little kids. Which, if I did, my neighborhood would have me arrested. But if I could do a moonwalk and sing really well, I guess it's okay. But to you sleep could with get away with on. it. I don't know. Right. That's kind of fucking weird. Okay, but either way, it's it's they like went there. it's like, cut to the chase. Yeah, it's cut to the chase. There. We're, We're going there, man. We're just putting on the table. So, how did you see this movie? <laughs> well, I don't really remember. I just somehow. How old were you? Do you think? Uh, definitely nine, 18, 19, 20. Oh, you guys were a lot older. Yeah. I was like, I was like seven or eight. Oh wow, wow! That's yeah, easy. It, this is like one of my mom's favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sorry, I was going with your story. Oh, I have no story. Oh, I have no real story. Oh, a little side note: I made a fan film called Lesson Zero. Did you? <laughs> I made a fan film. You are. The obsession is real. <laughs> <laughs> right? What was it about? It was a, it was a very, like, short version of the whole movie. Mm. Were you was in there it? a red bucket involved? No. I played... It was a, with the same guy. I played Clay, and then I played Rip at the end of the movie, but I, I disguised myself so you couldn't tell <laughs> the same guy doing both things. Oh, trust me. You make a lot of home movies, Alex. <laughs> I used to in my 20s. I have not done it since I was, like, 24. <laughs> Sadly enough. I don't know. I've seen some outstanding acting from the both of you on the Shut YouTube. Shut up. No, we're not talking about that. <laughs> Ooh, wow. She was very convincing. <laughs> Well, that yeah, that's. I, I don't have much else. I don't want to go too long. Um, I just love when Rip says, "Everyone's accountable." <laughs> that's about it. Well, everyone is. So yep. they are accountable. Yep. Like everybody has their own part to play, and you know, each person's yep. presence, or you know, if somebody gives you their time or whatever, right? You know, um, and I guess like the thing that I would like to address is. Just because somebody is an addict, they, yeah, we're going to go uh, the more you know route here. Mm. Um, you know, just because somebody is an addict, um, that's not necessarily who they are. And um, just give everybody kind of the benefit of the doubt. I mean, obviously people do a lot of fucked up shit, but um, at the end of the day, there, there is still that person that you knew and loved to begin with. And... Um, yeah, don't remember them. Like if somebody, you know, goes out in a bad way, um, remember the good times, not the bad. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And like I said before, I want to thank you guys because uh, from a from a personal standpoint, you guys have always been there for me. So, you know, I really appreciate that. I wish I could express it more, but like it means literally the fucking world to me. So that's why I wanted to have you guys on this show. So thank you guys for coming on. Uh, obviously, you guys will be on future installments. Um, <laughs> no, Alex, you ain't getting away, bro. You can't. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, listen, and more. Uh, we got more married with children coming up. I mean, we got so many. All good- right, exactly. Finally, right? So we got good times ahead. Um, Lacey and I have a show uh, coming out soon that uh, I want everybody to check out. It's going to be. Um, it's going to be great. Nothing but good times. But like I said, it's, it's because uh, you get through these shitty times 
just to get through these bad times that I don't mind necessarily talking about. And I don't know if I would necessarily be able to talk about if it wasn't, you know, being here with you guys, because you guys were so instrumental in in my story. So, so honestly, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And uh, on that happy note, I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, tune in next time. I don't know whether that'll be a week from now, a month from now. It's cut to the chase. It might even be a year. <laughs> but, <laughs> but thank you for listening. Lacey Wu, thank you for coming on. Alex, thank you for coming on, sir. I love you guys. Thank you, man. Love you. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. I'm tired of tomorrow, lost for today, I long to be